Now people living in Shefford in Bedfordshire say they're cut off from the rest of the town after a road's been closed for sewage works. Elderly residents say it's no more than a few hundred yards to drive by car, but it's now a 10-mile round trip. Well, Anglian Water says they did look at installing traffic lights on the B6058 Stamford Road, but the best option was to cut off it. One of the residents on Gresham Way is Christine Clutton. Although people from here are able to walk into the town centre to access those services. Those who are elderly or vulnerable are completely cut off because it's a 10-mile round trip from here if you're going by um, car or public vehicle. A new non-emergency one-to-one call service is going to be launched in Milton Keynes today. That's despite some criticism of it in other parts of the country. The scheme allows call handlers Harmony to reduce the workload of the 999 service, but it's experienced some problems. Roy Lilly, who's a former NHS Trust chairman, will be speaking to Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio in the next hour. Police say a man injured in a road crash near Milton Keynes may have been trapped for around two hours before he was discovered by a passing cyclist. The 32-year-old driver was discovered in a ditch on the road from the M1 Junction 14 to Newport Pagnell in the early hours of Sunday morning. Simon Oxley has the details. A cyclist discovered a silver Ford Fiesta in a ditch on the A509 London Road at around 4.50am on Sunday. The driver, a 32-year-old man, suffered serious leg injuries and was taken to Milton Keynes Hospital. He's since been transferred to the John Radcliffe in Oxford, where his condition is described as critical but stable. Police want to speak to any drivers using the A509 London Road in Newport Pagnell between the M1 at Junction 14 and the Land Rover garage between 2am and 4.50am on Sunday. Moving on to sport and Stevenage skipper Mark Roberts will be in caretaker charge as preparations start this morning for Sunday's trip to Tramnir. It follows yesterday's sacking of Gary Smith. And finally the weather, dry, bright, cold start, feeling quite chilly though in those strong winds. Temperatures of 5 degrees Celsius. There's more news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. BBC Three Counties Radio, first for news. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Three minutes past six. Where are we? Is it Thursday today? I think it is, isn't it? Wow, this week is flying by. What an expensive week it's been. What an expensive week. Hands up who's, who's got fleeced in a car dealership yesterday buying a car. Yes, yeah, me. They recognised me. They, they said, oh, we recognise you. You're that bloke off the telly. I said, well, yeah, hang on a second, guys. Before you get carried away, I haven't been on telly for about three years, so don't go thinking i got that kind of money to throw around. They said, no, you're that guy from eight out of ten cats. Yeah. However much I protested I wasn't, and I'm not, they didn't believe me. Totally fleeced. Anyway, with a slightly lighter wallet this morning, we'll crack on with the show, shall we? Lots to fit in between now and nine o'clock, including should schizophrenics with violent tendencies be locked up indefinitely? We'll hear from the father of a Bedford teenager who was stabbed to death by a paranoid schizophrenic, and he certainly thinks so. Here's something. You're in Milton Keynes. You've got a health problem. You want some advice, but it's not an emergency. Then call 111. Is that a good idea or another number that you're going to forget and it's just going to confuse things? And... It's very popular at the moment, making your own bread. And not using a bread maker, that's cheating. Actually kneading it and making it yourself. Well, I'll tell you what. You know they sell it in supermarkets now, quite cheap. Bread, yeah. If you make your own bread, 
You've got far too much time on your hands. Go and go and fall in love. Go and watch a fantastic film. Go and do something. Don't make bread. Too much time on your hands. If you want to get in touch, you can do what Tony Wood did. You can go to Facebook, facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. We're dedicating the entire show to Tony Wood today, who's left such flattering comments about me on the Facebook page. I'm all I'm blushing. I don't totally don't. I don't know where to look. You can send me a text as well if you want. 81333. Start your text 3CR. Put your name on, please. It's kind of nice to know who uh, I'm talking to. Or, look, the entire switchboard is clear this morning. Who's going to be the first person to call me up? Could be you. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. The grandfather of a teenager who was stabbed to death in Bedford by a paranoid schizophrenic says schizophrenics with violent tendencies should be locked up indefinitely. Victor Reeve's grandson Boris was killed by Milton Downer, who three days earlier had been released from a mental health unit in Luton. An independent report concluded staff at Oakley Court were not fully aware of Downer's criminal record, drug use or his history of violence. Well, our reporter, Justin Dealey, has been speaking to Victor, who is calling for a change in the law to prevent this from happening. It's the first time the family of Boris has spoken about this since the report was published. Justin, for those who don't know, can you just kind of fill us in on on this story a little bit, please? Yeah, absolutely. Good morning, Ian. It was in uh, November 2008. A 19-year-old Boris was on his way home. He'd been drinking. He'd just passed a club called The Studio in Bedford when Milton Downer stabbed him without any warning whatsoever. He collapsed and died. And you might remember that at the time his girlfriend was pregnant. A 52-year-old Milton Downer, a paranoid schizophrenic, was sentenced at Luton Crown Court after admitting manslaughter on the grounds of diminished responsibility, and he was sent to a mental hospital indefinitely. Now, there was a report into the care that Milton Downer received prior to this murder. What did that say? Well, three days before the murder, he was released from Oakley Court Mental Health Unit. Now, before being admitted there, he had been seen throwing furniture out of his window onto the cars below. An independent report into the Bedford and Luton Mental Health Trust, that's the same one that was responsible for the care of Tennyson Obi, who stabbed PC John Henry and Luton to death. Well, they concluded in this case that staff were not fully aware of Downer's criminal record, his drug use and his history of violence as well. And as you mentioned in the introduction, I spoke to Boris's grandfather, Victor, for the first time, and he says there's not a day that goes by where he doesn't think about his grandson. He's very much in my thoughts most days. And, you know, the, the thoughts you have is how could I have prevented it or how could it have ended up differently? But, of course, there's nothing you can do about it now. Now, you mentioned prevention there, Victor. It's your belief that anybody suffering with schizophrenia with violent tendencies should never be released from a secure unit. Can you tell us more about your thoughts on that, please? Well, it's, it's my belief that people who are predisposed to violence and have been diagnosed with schizophrenia are never cured. I I haven't heard of one instance where a person suffering these symptoms has been cured, which means when they're released into the public, um, they're relying on drugs to control their behaviour. And you're talking about relying on people who are irresponsible in the first place and can't be relied on taking their medication every day and acting like normal citizens. So inevitably, 
at some stage they're going to come off their drugs and commit an act of violence. You're perfectly entitled to your view and what's happened in your family has been an absolute tragedy, but some people may say your views are, are slightly harsh. Well, I, can, I can understand them believe they're slightly harsh, but you, you also understand that when they release a person who's got violent tendencies, in my own case, the mistake the people who released him make is that they go and kill some perfectly innocent child. So as far as you're concerned, they simply can't be trusted to take their medication then? No, I don't believe they can. I mean, they're they're taken into care in the first place because they're dysfunctional. They can't manage their own lives through their illness. And as a result, surely they're not going to be any more responsible when they're released. They haven't cured their illness. They've treated it with drugs, making them chemically incapable of, of thought in most cases. And so therefore, at one stage or another... They will come off their medication. These people have not asked for this illness, though, have they? So you, you must have some sympathy with them, surely. Look, I've got the utmost sympathy. I have a lifelong friend who was diagnosed with schizophrenia in his early 20s. He's managed his life as best he can. He's had episodes where he's come off medication and been taken into hospital for months at a time. But at the end of the, the day, he wasn't violent and he didn't make any of other people's lives suffer through his illness. But yeah, I've got the deepest sympathy with people. This whole ordeal has been absolutely horrendous for your family. I suppose essentially what you don't want is any other family to go through what you've been through. That's absolutely correct. And um, I fear it will happen to other people in the present system we've got where there's pressure under the powers that be to release people into the community, albeit, you know, with being controlled by drugs, but I'm sure it will happen again and again until the system is changed. Justin Dilly there speaking to Victor Reevy, whose grandson Boris was killed by schizophrenic Milton Downer. Well, it's a marvellous night for a moon dance With the stars up above in your eyes Fantabulous night to make romance Neat the cover of October skies You know the leaves on the trees are falling To the sound of the breezes that blow You know I'm trying to please to the calling Of your heartstrings that play soft and low You know the night's magic Seem to whisper and hush You know the song Seems to shine in your blush. Can I just have one more moon dance with you, my love? Can I just make some more romance with you, my love? Well, I wanna make love to you tonight. I can't wait till the morning has come. And I know now the time is just right And straight into my arms you will run And when you come my heart will be waiting To make sure that you're never alone There and then all my dreams will come true dear There and then I will make you my own And every time I touch you You just travel inside Then I know how Some more romance with you, 
out a bit too much perhaps in the studio speakers up very loud for a bit of van the man morning this is ian lee bbc three counties radio lots to cram in including if you make your own bread well you've got far too much time on your hands you could i've i've checked they sell bread in supermarkets tesco's have it and i think sainsbury's and waitrose too you don't need to make it need you don't need to make it 08459 oh, four double five five double five. If you make your own bread, you're a loser. Six fifteen, here's the travel news now with James Wally. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Thanks, Ian. The uh, M1, first of all, on camera, moving uh, quite well, certainly busy, but at least it's moving still 9 to 8 as you head down towards Hemel from the Whipsnade turn. M25 moving quite nicely at the moment, although, of course, expect the uh, usual delays through the roadworks between junctions 23 and 25. If you're heading on to the North Circular in London, one lane's blocked eastbound between Clockhouse and the A10. There's an accident halfway, midway along between those two junctions. And on the trains, we'll find through the three counties, but the Metropolitan Line into London via Wembley Park down to Baker Street running with minor delays because of engineering works which are finished late at Wilsdon Green. James Wally, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, James. Morning, it's 6.16. It's Thursday, the 21st of March. I'm Ian Lee and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. The family of a teenager who was stabbed to death in Bedford by a paranoid and violent schizophrenic wants such people to be locked up. MPs have been assessing the detail of what the Chancellor called his Aspiration Nation budget. And in sport, Stevenage's Mark Roberts will be in caretaker charge as preparations start for this weekend's trip.
The weather today for beds, hearts and bucks a dry, bright and cold start. Feeling cold in, st- in those strong words as well. Maximum temperature is five degrees. Coming up, did you enjoy the budget yesterday? Wasn't it a lot of fun? Well, what did you make of Osborne's budget? Help for home buyers, a freeze in fuel duty and, well, a, a, a pint off, a, a penny off pints. Hmm. Before 6.30, we'll find out more about what the budget will mean for you. BBC Three Counties Radio. Every weekday from three, Roberto Peroni with the best local news stories. There's a sporting story emerging. Paul Buckle has left Luton Town Football Club by mutual consent. The owners of the Centre MK have withdrawn a part of an application regarding the Primark development. Local talking points. The Hertfordshire Police and Crime Commissioner, Mr David Lloyd, has a plan to get sponsorship for police cars. The best local travel. There's been another day of disruption on the Thameslink line today. We were allowed evacuating something the train and we had to go back to Ratchet and now we're waiting for the bus. Roberto Peroni, every weekday from three on BBC Three Counties Radio. Everybody's celebrating the penny off the pint of beer. I'll be honest, I don't... It doesn't sound that exciting. Is that going to entice you back into pubs? Talk more about it after the Beatles. Here comes the sun Here comes the sun
man alive, isn't it? We've got some good songs this morning. What's going on? So, the budget yesterday, what did you make of it? Thumbs up, thumbs down, or a bit of a... Mm. Well, there was help for home buyers, a freeze in fuel duty, and a tiny amount of cheer for beer drinkers. Well, those are some of the measures announced. But there were also some very poor economic figures, and news of yet more spending cuts to come. Well, Annie Short lives in St Albans and is founder of the website cashquestions.com. Morning, Annie. Good morning. What did you make of the budget? What was your reaction to it? A bit of sort of, you know, half and half, that sounds good, but oh golly, it's not really all that good, is it? I think, well, that's what budgets always like that, though, aren't they? That, that some people get a bit of cheer, but um, gloomy, gloomy for others. I think the, the economic situation is, is pretty worrying, actually. So. Well, that's the thing. I mean, uh, George Osborne cut his growth forecasts from 1.2 to 0.6 over just a few months. That's, that's pretty poor, isn't it? I think it is pretty poor, but again, you know, I, I would say, well, why are we not surprised? You know, where, where would the good news be coming from? It's this massive debt burden that we're carrying. We have overspent, you know, we have partied like there was no tomorrow, you know, in the, in the, in the days running up to that banking crash, and we're paying it all back. So obviously we are hoping for growth, but it's not really very clear where it can come from. And, of course, the Chancellor is trying to, you know, stimulate bits of the economy. I mean, for instance, this stuff with house building. And, uh, you know, the, the Labour Party are calling for uh, measures to stimulate growth. But it's not actually quite clear where this can come from. Stimulating spending is not really the way to do it. That's what we did before. You know, that was to get our GDP up. But that's not what we want. We need to be sort of making things. We need to be doing things. And that is going to be a long process, getting back into that. Does, the, uh, does into this budget encourage those things? Um, I, I think a bit, but I think it's kind of quite, quite partisan. I mean, this thing on the house building uh, and, and the, the, the help for mortgage, mortgage agents, I think that's very superficially attractive because it will help house builders. It will um, give uh, special um, mortgage arrangements for people trying to buy new homes. But actually, it is supporting house prices. Now, of course, that's very good for some people because those people who are already in houses don't want to see their pr- the price of their houses fall. But actually, the thing we need to see is actually the, the cost of housing fall generally so that more people can afford it. So we don't want to see a housing crash, but really sort of pumping up the housing market is not really the way to go. Yes, I was confused by that because one of the things that, that, that uh, was in the budget was that they're going to give, the government will give uh, a, a loan, uh, the, the, an interest-free loan for five years towards the deposit. Is that right? Yes, that- yeah, well, this is this is kind of this this helps people who can't get their deposit together, and of course that sounds like a good thing. But of course, that, and, and there's a guarantee on it. But of course, if house the house 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 market does collapse, or if those people do default, it does mean that the government is then left with the bill, a bit like the support for the banks that we've had. You know, they they put that money in to support the, those banks so they don't collapse. But of course, if if things don't recover satisfactorily then the government, or us, because we are, you know, we're the taxpayer, we are the people who pay the government, are going to be left holding the bill. So I think it's kind of a bit of a, a double-edged sword, that one. Everyone was, was getting very excited about the, uh, the decrease in price in beer. It's only a penny. As I heard someone say on a radio station last night, it works out that if you buy 340 pints, you get one free. It's not great, well, is it? That, that's, that's probably about it, And I don't know how much beer you drink. I mean, you're, you're going to be partying, <laughs> 
Yes, exactly. I think that's just, that's just a, a, a nice thing to have, isn't it? I mean, because we do have a gloomy economic outlet. We do have you know, a lot of bad economic news, and that was just a nice little present for, for, for beer drinkers. Also, perhaps to try to get us back into the pubs. You know, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, drinking of, of uh, sort of mixer-type things uh, and people drinking out of, out of the home. Perhaps it will help pubs a bit. And our, you know, and our, our beer drinkers, rather than sort of imported spirits and things, I, I, I don't know what their effect is going to be. There was a lot of complaint, I think, from the whiskey industry that it was unfairly supporting um, uh, the beer lobby. But uh, a, a nice thing to have. I think the more important things that, that people are going to be looking forward to is things like this raise, this rise in the personal allowance to ten thousand pounds. That's coming forward a, a year earlier to next year. I mean, that is that is really good news for people on low incomes. Well, of course, they're losing in other things. So, you know, it's, it's, it's things around about. Annie Short, thank you very much. Annie Short, the founder of the website cashquestions.com. Just going back to this pint, the, the, the penny off a pint. Yeah. And it's weird, isn't it? Because th- th- there are much more important, significant things, as Annie mentioned, that, that, that were part of the budget yesterday. But this is the, the, the thing that everyone's jumped on. Oh, penny off a pint of beer. It's, it's to encourage you back into pubs. Is that going to get you back into a pub? A penny off of a pint of beer. Is that really what's going to get you back into pubs? Surely it's going to take a lot more than that, isn't it? 08459 455 555. What would get you back into your local boozer?
What will get you back into pubs? 08459 455 555. And if you make your own bread, you've got far too much time on your hands. Go and do something with your life. 08459 455 555. Right, let's get the travel news now. Here's Adam Glynn. Hearts and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. It's looking nice and clear out there so far this morning. Traffic levels are still pretty light on most of the major routes. Looking at the speed sensors, they're showing the M1's moving fine. Cameras are showing the M25 looking pretty good, even on the approach to the roadwork section, which runs junction 23 to 25 in both directions. Got that 50 mile an hour speed restriction through there. Got roadworks on the Tongwell Street in Milton Keynes Village, the A4146 as well. Still closed off resurfacing work near Lindisfarne Drive. And in Beaconsfield, temporary lights on the A40, which can slow things down a little bit. They're up between the A355 and Potkiln Lane, but generally the A40 is looking fine. M40 is doing okay as well. And looking at the train departure boards, no problems or delays. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. It's 6.30. Let's get the news and sport now with Serena Farrow. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. The family of a teenager who was stabbed to death in Bedford by a paranoid and violent schizophrenic wants such people to be locked up. The government's insisting it's making steady progress in reducing Britain's budget deficit, even though economic recovery is taking longer than expected. Elsewhere, people living in Bedfordshire say they're cut off from the rest of Shefford. That's after a road's been closed for sewage works. And a new non-emergency one-to-one call service is due to be launched in Milton Keynes today. That's despite some criticism of it in other parts of the country. That's the news. Now let's turn to all the morning's sport. Beds, Hearts and Bucks Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Stevenage skipper Mark Roberts will be in caretaker charge of the team as preparations begin for Sunday's trip to Tranmere. It follows yesterday's sacking of Gary Smith. Our Stevenage commentator Steve Watkins says former manager Graham Wesley's the obvious replacement. I can't see too much past it, to be honest. Um, you know, give me a list of available managers and tell me somebody that would, would suit the, um, the, the frame for Stevenage. I, I, I can't look for than Graham Wesley. A turn to the news in England's under-21 sider in Buckinghamshire tonight as they host Romania in a friendly at Wickham. It's a 7 o'clock kick-off as the under-21s play at Adams Park for the first time in 16 years. Watford's on-loan midfielder Nathaniel Chalabar is in the England squad. Stuart Pearce is the under-21s coach. I think anyone that turns up for the game will, will, will be nicely surprised if they've not been to 21 football before. You know we're playing a decent brand of football. I think last time out, last month when we beat Sweden was as good a first half performance as I've been party to. Moving on to cricket and the third and deciding test between New Zealand and England gets underway in Auckland this evening, our time. Johnny Bairstow set to replace the injured Kevin Peterson. And finally, Hertfordshire boxer Billy Joe Saunders faces Matthew Hall for the first British and Commonwealth middleweight titles later on. Hatfield Saunders is making the first defence of his British title and the fourth defence of his Commonwealth title. BBC Three Counties News and Sport, more from me at seven. Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning, coming up between now and Seven Wing, you need immediate advice because you're ill or injured. Which number do you ring? 999, the doctor's surgery. I ring, um, what's that NHS helpline thing? I don't know what the number is, though. I always have to Google it. Or do you just dial 111? The number's already operational in parts of beds and hearts, and it's now launching in Milton Keynes. A good idea... 
Or just another number to confuse things. And people living in a part of Shefford in Bedfordshire say they've been left cut off from the rest of the town as a result of a major road closure for sewage works. Well, Justin Dealey will be there. We'll hear from him in about 20 minutes to see just how bad the situation is. Bit of the Mac. middle-aged man. I need to get, like, a Land Rover or something. I need a 4x4, because I'm totally rocking out to the music today. Totally turning the speakers up and doing, you know, the kind of dad head thing and air drums and everything. Looking a little bit ridiculous. So, um, I'll shut up about that, shall I? Yes. Now, 
A new non-emergency 111 call service is due to be launched in Milton Keynes today, despite some criticism of it in other parts of the country. The scheme allows uh, call handlers Harmony to reduce the workload of the 999 service, but it has experienced some teething problems. The 111 system is already in use in the rest of Buckinghamshire as well as Hertfordshire. Did you know that? If you live in the rest of Buckinghamshire and Hertfordshire, have you, have you dialed 111? Be uh, keen to get your experience with it. It covers everything from emergency dental care to late opening chemists. Well, a pilot scheme has been taking place in Luton, but it's yet to be rolled out to the rest of Bedfordshire. We can talk now to Roy Lilly, who's a former NHS Trust chairman. Morning, Roy. Good morning. It seems like a good idea in theory. To, 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 relieving some of the pressure on the 999, the serious emergency calls. But does it work in practice? Well, we're yet to find out, I think, oh. is the answer. Uh, the, the, uh, the rollout, when it all goes sort of live, live, is on the 1st of April. Um, so we'll see. But you are right. You put your finger on it. Where, it's, uh, where they've sort of done dry runs and got it sort of up and running and going, there have been problems with it. Let's just uh, sort of roll it back a bit and look at some of the history of it. There was a time when, uh, if you rang 999, you got an ambulance, and the law said that the ambulance had to take you to hospital. There was no option. Uh, a few years ago, they changed the law, and uh, ambulance services now can take you to hospital, they can take you to a doctor, they can take you to a walk-in centre, they might even give you a couple of stitches in the back of the ambulance and take you home. So that all changed. At the same time, we noticed that a lot of people were ringing the 99 service uh, in inverted commas inappropriately. So it wasn't really an emergency. It was important to them, but not an emergency. And so... We had a thing called NHS Direct set up, which was a kind of um, first stop for people who weren't quite sure what to do. Um, NHS Direct has now gone. It's given way to this new one. Excuse me, Roy, NHS Direct has gone? Yeah. Oh, my God. We use that so many times with our boys when they were first born. Yeah. Well, OK, well, that's interesting. You're going to ring 111. Right. Now, 111 is the first port of call, and this, so they could say, you know, give you a bit of advice. They might tell you where to go. They might say you can get, as you say, get a dentist here, or you, there's a walk-in centre open there, or they might say, oh, well, we think you need an ambulance and the rest of it. Now, I tell you, the, the, this, the problem with it is this, and it, it's kind of complicated, but we're moving into a new NHS now where services are all contracted for. Um, and so the 111 service, if, if for example, uh, 111 thinks, well, the ambulance is needed here, they call an ambulance and the ambulance says, right, we're going to take you to a walk-in centre, there has to be a contract between the ambulance service and the walk-in centre or a contract, you know, with, with whichever service they take you to. It's been extremely complicated. What do you mean a contract, Roy? Well, we're in, the, we're in the whole new NHS now, where previously there used to be just service agreements where people could go and be treated and so on. But now all services have to be contracted for. It's all part of the new Health and Social Care Act. So the whole sort of administrative, administrative infrastructure that sits behind these services is much more complicated complicated and fragmented. For example, um, uh, down in Surrey, they've, they've been in, uh, having some problems with uh, getting the 111 service up and running, and that's partly because Virgin have come in and taken over all the community services and are running all of the walk-in services. Hang on a minute, am I living in a parallel universe? The, the, the walk-in centres, they're, they're not NHS? Uh, no, not, well, some of them are, but, but a lot of them now are run um, 
by whoever's running community services and in, and, in, and in large parts of the country the community services are now run by the private sector for example Virgin I'm confused this is, this is blowing my mind Roy if I dial 111 will I get to speak to a nurse because that was one of the benefits of the, uh, the NHS hotline is you would well, speak to that, a nurse I mean that's, that, that moves on to you know, the next area of concern um, the answer uh, to your question uh, is probably not no you'll speak to a, if I can put it this way in inverted commas a civilian someone who's not a clinician uh, and they will be their, their decision make they'll have a decision support system on a computer oh well, you go through that checklist of, yeah. of questions so oh. plough through a whole load of questions you know, I've got a stomachache, you know, which bit of your stomach what have you eaten, that kind of thing oh, and, and then they'll dear. make a decision based on that now, it is, it, it is, in fairness I need to point out that there will be clinicians present, so there will be nurses present um, but the first port of call will be a, a non-medical not, See, not my medical concern person. would be right. We, we, I'd say we called NHS Direct a lot with, with our oh. boys when they were first born and it was because, we didn't want to phone 9 but we knew we would get a call back from a nurse relatively quickly. If if I'm not confident I'm going to speak to a nurse, then... I'm going to phone 999 again. Well, there we go. And that's what, that's what you're saying. And, and we're finding, I mean, just to, uh, uh, just to sort of go off at a bit of a tangent, we're finding that people are walking into A&E much more than they did. A&E attendances now are up by nearly 9%. Now, that isn't to say it's all down to harmony. It isn't all down to this new system because the new system is, is really only just up and running and it's not properly fully operational. But there is, I think it's, I, I mean, my own personal view on this is it's, extremely confusing what you know what do you do first of all you've got the confusion over do i ring 111 or i ring 999 i mean your your sensible call for a bit of advice might be another person's emergency mm. so you know you've got that confusion then you've got the confusion of do you go do you call an out of hours doctor do you go to a walk-in center do you go to a and e you know it's just a palaver and i think the public are going to get confused do people know about this number because uh, my producer Producer, it, the, the 111 is up and running where she lives, but, but she didn't know about it. No, I don't think they do. And, uh, you know, I live in an area where we've got the 111 service. I've not had anything sort of through the door. I've not seen anything on the telly. I mean, I know about it because I'm kind of in the business. But, if, uh, but uh, to be honest, if, if I was ill... I wouldn't know really who to ring. I mean, to be honest, I think if I was ill, I'd ring 999, because mm. that's what you do, isn't it? I think, yeah, where you've got NHS Direct and you've got a clear delineation of, look, ring us for a bit of advice before you do anything, makes a lot of sense, particularly people with families, you know, first baby, not quite sure what to do. You can't ring mum because she you know, lives a long way away and all that kind of thing. But that, that all kind of makes sense to me. But where you've got a parallel service, 111, I mean, it's the same with the police service. They've got a 111 service as well. And the, the whole idea of it is to take the pressure off the 999 service because people were using it, as I said, in inverted commas, inappropriately. And oh, yeah, my, cat, my cat's off. got stuck up a tree. Can you send out an ambulance? Well, is all that yeah, nonsense. All that, but people always do daft. Yeah. You just have to kind of factor that in. Um, but but uh, this is all about saving money and it's all about, you know... But I, I think that if you took all the money that's been thrown at getting this service up and running, all the political there is i'd have just given the money to the hospitals and said like you sort it out if you get inappropriate people you know just sort it out 
But hey, they're not going to do that. So we're in the, this brave new world, and, and we'll have to see. But I, I, I mean, I think it is confusing. That isn't to say that it's going to be confusing forever. People will get, I guess, get used to it. And 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 it is. I have to say, the infrastructure that sits underneath it, it, it is is straining at the seams, and it's not quite ready yet. That isn't to say that it's always going to be like that. So I guess you know, let's have this conversation in a year's time and see what's happening. But I'm not optimistic. Roy, thank you very much indeed. Roy Lilly, former NHS Trust Chairman. If you've called this 111 number, were you happy with the service? Did you get what you wanted? I'm surprised NHS Director's going. I used to like that. Very helpful. If you mentioned it was one of the kids, you'd get a call back from a nurse pretty quickly. They generally said you should probably pop along to a That was kind of the advice. But it was, you, you knew you were speaking to someone with, with some medical training. 08459 555. 6.45, Travel News Now, here's Adam Glynn. Hearts and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. The A1 going southbound this morning. Once you get to Boreham Wood, you're going to find it queuing between the Holiday Inn and the A41 at Mill Hill. Now, obviously, it does queue through there a lot of mornings, but quite early for that queue to start. But it's not really being helped by an accident, which is blocking lane two of the A1 just before Mill Hill Circus. That's looking rather busy round there. The A1M is starting to slow up between Junction 8 at Hitchin and Junction 7 at Stevenage. Things still moving OK on the M25, but if you're driving through Bedford, remember there are still some roadworks on the A6. St John Street are taking place at the junction with Rope Walk. On the trains this morning, generally speaking, it's a good service right across the three counties. We've got one late-running train. It's the service from Bedford down to uh, Sheffield, in fact. It's coming up from London St Pancras, and it's running about half an hour late because it was delayed waiting for a member of the train crew. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much indeed, Adam. Right, 6.46, Thursday, the 21st of March. I'm Ian Lee, and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. A grandfather wants tougher, tougher punishment for paranoid and violent schizophrenics after his grandson, grandson was killed by one in Bedford. The government is insisting it's making steady progress in reducing Britain's budget deficit, even though economic recovery is taking longer than expected. And in sport, Stevenage's Mark Roberts will be in caretaker charge as preparations start for the next game. Coming up, people living in a part of Shefford in Bedfordshire say they've been left cut off from the rest of the town as a result of a major road closure for sewerage works. Well, we'll find out more before seven, but now let's get the weather. Ah, she's back. It's Elizabeth Rossini. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Hello, hello, very good morning to you. Hope you didn't miss me too we much. We did miss you, Elizabeth. <laughs> Not to diss oh, your, your colleagues, you. they're all excellent, but you're our favourite. <laughs> oh, you're so kind. I bet you say that to all the girls. Yes, I do. I know. OK, well, it's a cold start to the day. I haven't got very good news for you in terms of wintry weather, by the way. We will have some on the way, I think, over the next few days. But for today, it should stay mostly dry. Cold start, though. We've got a frost out there, a few patches of mist. But in general, it's a lovely, bright start to the day. There will be a bit of sunshine around this morning. Unfortunately, it's all going to cloud over into the afternoon, though. So rather grey, dreary end to the day. Temperatures only between around 4 and 6 degrees Celsius, I think, in St Albans and Aylesbury in Blair. 
Bletchley as well. That's 43 in Fahrenheit. So disappointing on the temperature side and also quite a strong southeasterly breeze developing as well that's going to make it feel really quite bitter, but not as bitter as it will feel tomorrow, I have to say. Um, into this evening's rush hour, we've got outbreaks of rain spreading in from the west, but it should stay dry, dry um, until then. And then this will continue through the overnight period. We might just see a little bit of sleet at times, perhaps just over the tops of the Chilterns. Nothing more than that. But tomorrow, again, the risk of a little bit of sleet at times, but generally I think it's going to be wet, damp outbreaks of rain through the course of the day. A bitter easterly breeze and temperatures only up to three or four degrees Celsius in the towns. Watch out for a bit of snow possibly on Friday night into Saturday. That's when we think we might well get a good couple of centimetres or so. And that's the forecast. Elizabeth, you strike me as a very homely person. Homely? D- homely, yes. Do I look homely? Is that what you're saying? Well, you, you look and sure sound homely. No, it is a compliment. It's a nice thing. <laughs> do you, what I'm trying to find out is, do you make your own bread? No. I've never... I don't eat bread. <laughs> you, you, so, what? Well, how do you make your sandwiches? Oh, well, as occasionally I might make a sandwich, that's true. Um, I've never made my own bread. There you go. Good. It's a waste of time. You can buy it in shops, apparently. Thank you very much, Elizabeth. I don't think calling someone homely is particularly an insult, is it? Weekends on BBC Three Counties Radio. Nesta McGregor. When you tune into my show, you find out exactly what is going on in the community, who is doing it, with who, where and when. Nesta McGregor. It's also a chance to hear some absolutely fantastic music as well. Every Sunday night from 8. Every single thing we talk about is directly relatable to you. It's a story that's of direct connection. You want to hear about it and more often than not, you have an opinion about it. Esther McGregor, every Sunday night from 8. On BBC Three Counties Radio. Making bread is very popular at the moment. There's some sexy new chef. It's a man who's made bread all sexy. To the point where even political reporter for BBC Three Counties Radio, Paul Scoynes, was tweeting his bread pictures last night and sending me an email. I was going, yeah, look at this bad boy. If you make your own bread, you've got far too much time on your hands. You should go out and do something with your life. Isn't that right, Richard in Winslow? It's Mr Angry here. Now, look, he's at the complaints department. I, I woke up this morning, he turned the radio on, there's a chap there telling me I'm a loser because I baked my own bread in spite of having produced my own time-saving method. Hello? What's your own time-saving me- method, Richard? Right, what you do, you get your old bread maker, bang the ingredients in, 20 minutes later, you've got a dollar per dough, do it four times, stick them on the side, let them prove, what? or whatever they call it, yeah. and you can add all your favourite bits and pieces, like walnuts in one loaf, oh. almonds, chopped um, tomato, whatever, stick them in the oven, bake them, let it cool down, slice them up, bang them in the freezer, and there you go. But hang on a minute. You're using a bread maker for only half of the job. How the much of a mu- how much of a muppet are you, Richard? Not as much as you calling women homely. It's the last thing you ever do. Homely's a compliment. It's not a compliment. No woman wants to be called homely. Well, I'm not going to say, if Elizabeth. You're not careful, I'll bring you in one of my loaves so you can eat it. I'm never going to eat food from a listener. Now listen, but uh, <laughs> I'm not going to say to Elizabeth Rosini, "Hey, Elizabeth, you look and sound really sexy." 
Because I'm not, that's inappropriate. Homely is a compliment. Not at all. I think you'd probably prefer the other. How, how on earth do you think homely? I mean, a home is, you know, bricks and mortar and a thatched roof. How on earth is that a compliment for a dear woman? R- Richard, she sounds so lovely as well. She, she sounds marvellous. Richard, I banned you last week for a week. I can ban you for a month really? if you keep on no, with this. No, don't do that. Listen, if you make... that, You know uh, you know Tesco and Sainsbury's and... and Did you ban me? <laughs> I banned you for being a Muppet, I think. I'm not a Muppet. It takes one to know one. Anyway, carry you, on. You know... No, I'm Jim Henson. No. You've heard of, like, these supermarkets? No. Of course I have, yes. They sell bread there, yes, Richard. Sell bread in there full of chemicals and nasty stuff. Oh, and beautiful. white bread. Goodness gracious me. Do you know the origins of white bread, by the by? No, I don't. Well, should, well did I be telling you before you cut me off as you usually do? No, thank you. Oh, dear. <laughs> What was that all about? How can anyone be so angry at ten minutes to seven in the morning? Thank you, Richard. Yeah. I think. I came, I saw, tore down these walls. Black one way I find another. You know you'll always be discovered. If it's me, you choose. song that I'm finding I'm quite enjoying. Only the chorus. He's not doing that cod scar that he normally does. Now, people living in a part of Shefford in Bedfordshire say they've been left cut off from the rest of the town as a result of a major road closure for sewerage works. Uh, elderly residents say that uh, to access the town by car, which is no more than a few hundred yards away, now involves a ten-mile round trip. Anglia Mortar say they looked at installing traffic lights on the B658 Stamford Road, but in the end, a full closure was the only option. Well, our reporter, Tony Fisher, has been speaking to one of the residents, Christine Cullerton. Basically, if you want to go anywhere, you have to go three or four miles out your way uh, just to get back into the town centre. We were never forewarned about the road we were completely closed. 
Mm. We told there'd be some disruptions, but they never told us we'd have to go miles out of our way. We're not being compensated for this in any way. So effectively, you're pretty much cut off from, from, from the village. Yes, right. It's easy for us to go to Biggleswade to shop about seven miles up the road rather than go five miles in a circle. And for elderly people who may want to go to the doctors or go to the local shops, you know, normally take their car, can't. Well, they could take their car, but it's going to take them twice as long. And they have to, like I said, they have to get three or four miles out of the way to get back into the town. Mm-hmm. And there's been several bad accidents on the, the country roads because of this. Because mm. uh, I think lorries and vans have been coming down because right, it says yeah. business open as usual, and they're going to have they're having to do U-turns. Right, and when they first opened it, there was no signs on the road at all, and we were getting articulated lorries trying to turn round because they couldn't get through. It's going down to the doctor's surgery. Um, I say my son has to go and come from Biggleswade, go all round Island Way to get into Shepherd to go up to the surgery. The same last week, I had to go to the optician. And it was the same procedure. I've got to do it again this Friday, and it'll be the same thing. So it's quite a big round trip, about a yeah. 10-mile round trip? Must be, must be, must be. So how much of an inconvenience are these roadworks? Quite a bit, quite a bit. So just tell us about the problem with the road closure down the bottom. How how's it affected you? Uh, basically, I've got to go right out my way to get to work now, and... Uh, if I hit traffic, it makes me a lot later for work, uh, which obviously isn't good. Mm. So. so you're in Shefford. Where have you, where have you got to get to? For I've work? got to get to Stevenage, so I have to go through Henlow, up through all that way. Would you, I mean, some of the neighbours saying they'd like a bit of conversation, money off the water bill, would you like that? Uh, that would be good, actually, yeah. <laughs> I think any money, any money off would be good, because um, obviously it's costing extra in petrol, petrol as well to get around. But, um, yeah, that would be nice. <laughs> Just tell us about it, because apparently... You weren't given much warning, and you're effectively cut off from the village. Yes, we are. Yes, yeah, so if you... Normally it will take me two minutes to pop into Shefford, but now it takes me a good 15 or 20. It's because you've got to go round the house. You've got to go all the round, and then you've got to go all that way back again. Also, I wonder what happens if you need an ambulance, because um, my husband's quite ill, and sometimes I have to have an ambulance, so that would take an extra 15 minutes or so. What would you want to say to Anglian Water? Compensate somehow. It's the only way to do it, really, isn't Some it? Some money off the water bill or something? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Do, you think that, do you think that'll happen? No. <laughs> <laughs> Got more chance than a Pope. <laughs> That's Tony Fisher there speaking to residents living in a part of Shefford. Uh, Anglian Water say the work is due to finish on April the 10th. They'll be joining me on the show in around an hour's time. If there's something you want to say to them, if you're affected by this, 08459 455 555. You can have your chance to speak to them. Right. That's the first hour done and dusted. Lovely. Travel news now. Adam Glynn. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian. It's looking pretty good out there, certainly in terms of the trains this morning. If you're rushing to the station looking at the departure boards right now, nothing's running more than about two minutes late anywhere, so that's very good. On the roads, though, starting to slow up. The M25 particularly. Anti-clockwise, it's heavy from Waltham Abbey to Enfield, so approaching the roadworks which run from Junction 25 through to 23. Then, beyond those works, going anti-clockwise still from the M1 round 219 at Watford is particularly busy, and from Junction 17 at Maple Cross through to 15 at the M4 starting to build up. 
up as you go past the M40 junction. But if you are going for the M40, that's looking all right. Delays, though, on the A1M. Southbound, it's now slow from Junction 8 at Hitchin through to 6 at Wellin, and it's taking around 20 minutes to get through. And queue still around Borehamwood on the A1 southbound between the Holiday Inn and the A41. There is an accident blocking Lane 2 just before Mill Hill. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. Hey, listen, if you make your own bread, there really is something wrong with you. You're a deviant of some kind. We'll discuss more after the news with Serena Farrow. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. The headlines. Grandad wants change in law after his grandson was killed in Bedford. People living in Shefford say they're cut off and Stevenage Newman takes charge. BBC Three Counties Radio. A grandfather wants tougher punishment for paranoid and violent schizophrenics after his grandson was killed by one in Bedford. Boris Reevy was killed by Milton Downer, who three days earlier had been released from a mental health unit in Luton. Lorna Hankin has the details. Downer killed 19-year-old Boris Reevy in Bedford three days Days after he was released from Oakley Court, the same place that treated Tennessee Obie, who stabbed PC John Henry to death. An independent report into Downer's care concluded staff were not fully aware of his criminal record, drug use or his history of violence. Speaking for the first time since the report was published, Boris' grandfather Victor says this isn't good enough and wants the law to be changed. Now, people living in Shefford in Bedfordshire say they're cut off from the rest of the town after a road's been closed for sewage works. Elder residents say it's no more than a few hundred yards to drive book car, but it's now a ten-mile round trip. Well, Anglian Water told us they did look at installing traffic lights on the B658 Stanford Road, but shutting it was the only option. These locals say there wasn't much prior warning either. We were never forewarned about the road being completely closed. We're not being compensated in any way. Normally it will take me two minutes to pop into Shefford, but now it takes me a good 15 or 20. Also, I wonder what happens if you need an ambulance. Government and opposition MPs have been assessing the detail of what the Chancellor called his Aspiration Nation budget. Labour are pressing for more details about departmental savings and underspending, which they say prevented the government's borrowing figures from rising this year. A Commons debate on it will begin this morning. A new non-emergency 111 call service is going to be launched in Milton Keynes today. That's despite some criticism of it in other parts of the country. The scheme allows call handlers Harmony to reduce the workload of the 999 service, but has apparently experienced some problems. Roy Lilly, a former NHS Trust chairman, explained to Ian Lee earlier how it'll all work. You'll speak to a the civilian, someone who's not a clinician. They'll have a decision support system on a computer. Oh, will you go it? through that checklist of, yeah. of questions? Oh. Plough through a whole load of questions. You know, I've got a stomachache, you know, which bit of your stomach, what have you eaten, that kind of thing. Oh, and, and then they'll dear. make a decision based on that, but there will be nurses present. Let's turn to some sport then and Stevenage skipper Mark Roberts will be in caretaker charge of the team as preparations begin this morning for Sunday's trip to Tranmere. It follows yesterday's sacking of the boss Gary Smith. Weather then, dry, bright but chilly start. Still feeling cold in those winds as well. Temperatures of 5 degrees Celsius, that's 41 in Fahrenheit. There's more news and sports online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. BBC Three Counties Radio, first for news. I'm getting a lot of abuse, Serena, which is not, not unusual. <laughs> yeah, Kel Surprise, eh? Yeah, well, I didn't yeah. know you spoke Italian, but, but for something that I don't think I deserve, I described our weather lady, Elizabeth yeah. Rosini, as, as homely. 
Yes, yes, that, she did. How would you? How would you? Re- I mean, you're not homely, but if I did Thanks. term you, as, you're not. If no, I did term right. you as homely, would yeah. you be insulted by that? Well, you see, it depends if you're a bit of a feminist, really, doesn't it? Because yeah, I like s- to think I am. <laughs> but but yeah, it doesn't sit well with me. Okay, thank you very much, Serena. I d- I'm getting lots of abuse for describing someone as homely. That, that's a compliment, isn't it? You're, you're very homely. I'm not. What, what, what do you think I'm saying? That's bad. It's it's a nice thing to be homely. Some some women aren't homely, and and, and you would not label them as such. But I I think it's. Let me know, ladies. Ladies. <laughs> Any goodwill I was building up, I just lost in that one word. Is homely an insult? I don't think so. It's a nice term. Other things on the show this morning, perhaps slightly more serious. Should schizophrenics with violent tendencies be locked up indefinitely? Well, we'll hear from the grandfather of a Bedford teenager who was stabbed to death by a paranoid schizophrenic. He certainly thinks so. Now you've got a health problem, you want some advice, but it's not an emergency. Well, then you need to call 111. Is it a good idea or just another confusing number? It's already operational in Buckinghamshire and Hertfordshire. Today it launches in Milton Keynes. If you've called it, was it any good? And there's a new cookery programme with a gentleman called Paul Hollywood. He's making cooking sexy. Bakes loads of breads. You know, your, your loaves, your baguettes, your batons. Now loads of people are doing it. Even political reporter Paul Scoynes is getting in on the act and was tweeting his loaf last night. If you make your own bread, you've got too much time on your hands, haven't you? Lots of ways to get in touch. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can see a picture of Paul Scoyne's bread as well. Yeah, oh yeah. Not quite what the internet was designed for, but never mind. You can send me a text, 81333. Start your text, 3CR. Or give me a call, 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. The grandfather of a teenager who was stabbed to death in Bedford by a paranoid schizophrenic says schizophrenics with violent tendencies should be locked up indefinitely. Victor Reeve's grandson, Boris, was killed by Milton Downer, who three days earlier had been released from a mental health unit in Luton. An independent report concluded staff at Oakley Court were not fully aware of Downer's criminal record, drug use or his history of violence. Victor Reeve told our reporter, Justin Dealey, he couldn't understand why he was released. Three days after he's been released, how could he, be, how could he have been diagnosed as being safe to be in the public when three days later he was committing a murder? People who are predisposed to violence and have been diagnosed with schizophrenia are never cured. I, I haven't heard of one instance where a person suffering these symptoms has been cured, which means when they're released into the public, um, they're relying on drugs to control their behaviour. And you're talking about relying on people who are irresponsible in the first place and can't be relied on taking their medication every day and acting like normal citizens. So inevitably, at some stage, they're going to come off their drugs and commit an act of violence. Do you think your views will be taken seriously by mental health organisations and the government in this country? I'm quite sure mental health organisations know what the problems are. The problems are that there is a great pressure for 
create places in the system and therefore the only way to do that without extra funding is to release people that maybe otherwise they would not release. Victor Reevy there speaking to our reporter Justin Dealey. Joining me now is the Chief Executive of Charity Buckinghamshire Mind, Rob Michael Phillips. Morning Rob. Good morning. Now Rob th- th- there is a lot of confusion around what schizophrenia actually is so g- could you just explain it in simple terms please? Uh, yeah very uh, briefly schizophrenia is an illness it's I suppose relatively common. Um, people might be surprised to know there are anywhere between 400 and 500,000 people in the country who have schizophrenia. Um, so that's something like one in 150 people. Um, it's characterised by a range of symptoms. There are what are called positive symptoms. That's not intended to mean that they're, you know, good, but they're positive in the sense that people with schizophrenia experience them and other people don't. So those are things like hearing voices and feelings of paranoia, um, experiencing delusions or strange thoughts or, or beliefs. There are negative symptoms, which are things like withdrawal, um, lack of motivation, and difficulties with communication. So those are things that you that most people expect to experience. Some people with schizophrenia sometimes don't. It's definitely not the the classic sort of mistake of, of being split personality. It's that's what that's what that most people. That's kind of the lazy idea, isn't it? That one day you're a bloke called uh, called Rob, the next day you're you're a woman called Stephanie. You know that you, you change into different people. Exactly, and and, and it's it's incredibly annoying when it, it it's, the word gets used constantly to end up with that with that meaning, and that's just not what it is at all. Um, it's it's a really horrible illness to have, and it's, I've worked closely with a lot of people with schizophrenia, and it's a, it's a it's a genuinely tragic thing for some people to have, but other people do manage very, very well with the diagnosis of schizophrenia and can be, I mean, with that, with that many people having it, there are people who are working and functioning very, very well in, in difficult circumstances. And would I be correct in, in, in saying that the, the violent uh, side that we're hearing about in this, this terrible story about uh, uh, Boris, it's very, very rare that schizophrenia and violence don't necessarily go hand in hand? They certainly, they certainly don't necessarily go hand in hand. And I mean, I've just got to say at this point that I think in, in this, I've, I've done a bit of research on this, on this case since I knew I was coming on today. And it, it, it's obviously just a, a complete tragedy and it's quite hard not to, not to look at it and think that there were warning signs that weren't picked up with this particular man. Um, and especially as the report saying that, that, that staff were not aware of, of some of the other risk factors, which are probably more important than schizophrenia in terms of his, his drug use and his, his alcohol use. Um, but the, in, terms of, in terms of violence, yes, it is very rare. Um, you are more likely with a, with a mental health condition to be a victim of violence than to be someone who perpetrates violence. Um, and I think a good way of describing it is you're more likely to be frightened than frightening. Um, but it, 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 it's a... It's a real problem for people that there is this perception of violence as across the board for mental health and particularly for schizophrenia when it, it just isn't the case. I guess one of the, the, the arguments about... Um, um, I'm, I'm trying to phrase this in a, in a positive way, I can't really. Releasing schizophrenics back into society is that there is the, the pressure is then on them, or the onus is on them, to take their own medicine and their own medication to help th- their condition. And if they're not well, I guess that perhaps they're... Un- unlikely to take that medication there are circumstances when people don't really accept that they're ill and i think this is also the case in this in in this um in this case of 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 milton downer that he he lacked what they call insight into his condition he didn't think he was ill and that does mean it's more likely that you're not going to take your medication if you don't think you need it in the first place but the majority of people with schizophrenia do recognize the importance of their medication and do continue to take it and these are not easy medications to take either the side effects are very unpleasant in some cases um so what we we would argue for is and i think 
very much going along with what um, what the, the grandfather you interviewed said is is better resourcing of community support, um, certainly better crisis care in hospitals so that people have got places to go to and that there are more beds available and an increase in funding for the sort of services that can keep an eye on people more closely and make sure they are taking their medication when that's when they are struggling with that. Victor Reevy, who um, Justin was speaking to earlier on, the grandfather, thinks there should be tougher restrictions on the freedom of people with schizophrenia. What, what, what do you think about that? I think it's very difficult to, to justify a, a blanket restriction on the freedom of people with an illness on the basis of... Um, a small number of people who commit violent acts but I do think it's an understandable reaction from someone who's been through that that tragedy and I think the solution is is rather than a a blanket restriction on freedom is is much better resourcing of the support that people are able to receive. Rob thank you very much appreciate your time Rob Michael Phillips there who is uh, chief executive of the charity Buckinghamshire Mind. This is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. So th- there's this new 111 service. It's replacing NHS Direct, who have always been, well, well, pretty good with me. Have you dialed 111? Have you tried it? Um, Helen in Aylesbury, you've, you've used 111, haven't you? Yeah, I did, actually, on Monday. What, was there, is everything OK? Um, well, no, I woke up feeling very dizzy. Mm. Wasn't sure what it was. My husband said, well, you know, would I like him to stay at home? But I said, well, I don't know, I might be all right. And so... He'd gone off to work about ten past seven. By about half past, I phoned the GP out of our service, and that turned out to be this 111. Right. So um, the, the lady at the other end was pleasant and helpful, and she went through various questions. And I thought, you know, asking me age and stuff, she reckons I've had a stroke, which I knew I hadn't. Um, she, did she, what, did she, sorry, did she say that you'd had a stroke? No, no, but I could see, because right. I've got a certain amount of knowledge, that she wondered if that was a possibility. Okay. But went through all those things, we checked all those, that was okay. Yeah. But then the advice came to phone the GP. So I thought, well, you know, GP's not open yet. Yeah. So I waited about another hour with this really, really dizzy head and stuff and thought, well, I'll never get to the GP anyway. I ended up phoning the ambulance. Oh. They were absolutely brilliant if yep. they're listening on monday morning they were superb the f- um the call handler was superb the first responder who came was superb um they confirmed it was nothing cardiac but that i needed to go to a and e oh. so the call handler got the paramedics because all the ambulances were out and they came and they said i'd done totally the right thing phoning the ambulance and i was taken to a and e they were Utterly superb. If you're worried, if something's been going on for a couple of hours yeah. and 111 hasn't done it, phone 999. They're not going to talk you down or anything if you are genuinely feeling really poorly. So, But 111 didn't suggest you called the, the, the uh, ambulance? No, because we'd been through these various questions. Yeah. And, you know, bearing in mind my age and stuff, I knew it wasn't a stroke. I knew it wasn't a brain hemorrhage. I'd had one of those before. But it Ooh. was one of these sort of things I just felt really, really, really dizzy. So it turned out to be something called labyrinthitis, which affects your balance. Labyrinthitis? It's a film, isn't it, with David Bowie, I think? Oh, no, that's well, labyrinth. Labyrinthitis, know, what is it? Oh, I haven't seen that film, but you basically, they take you to A&E, they give you an injection, oh. and then after that, a week's course of tablets, it affects your balance and oh. stuff. Are but you OK now, were... Helen? Pardon? Are you OK now? Um, I'm pretty well on the men, but okay. as I say, the paramedic and the core handler and the um, 
first responder were brilliant and they said okay. you've done the right thing you know if something hasn't gone away for a couple of hours you've done the right thing phoning the ambulance if they're listening they were superb well that's i'm, I'm glad to hear they did, as well i'm glad they did a good job i'm glad you're feeling yeah. better before, very quickly before i let you go helen if i described you as homely would you be offended by that me as homely i'm much too slim for looking homely oh ah, now that's interesting so you <laughs> so you think homely means fat no not not fat homely would probably mean somebody who's not quite so tall and thin as me maybe I, maybe i've completely misunderstood the word i'm using it appropriately helen thank you very much indeed isn't that wasn't that interesting it's not the response i was expecting maybe i'm using the word in completely the wrong context Inconceivable. It's possible. 08459 455 555. A Princess Bride reference there for anybody who's seen the film. Travel news now, Adam Glynn. Beds, hearts, and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Things starting to slow down on the A10 now through Chesant. It's looking busy southbound between College Road and the M25 at Junction 25. If you're using the M25 this morning, it's slow anti-clockwise predominantly from Waltham Abbey through to Enfield, Junction 26 to 25, then from the M1 at Junction 21 round to Watford at Junction 19, and from 17 at Maple Cross to 15 at the M4. M40, those looking good. You'll find the A1M busy from Junction 9 at Letchworth through to Junction 6 at Well. That's now taking about 35 minutes to get between those two junctions. And for anyone heading in toward London on the A1, southbound through Boreham Wood, there are still queues between the Holiday Inn and the A41 at Mill Hill. On the trains, no reported problems or delays. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thank you very much. Morning, it's 7.17. It's Thursday the 21st of March. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. A grandfather wants tougher punishment after his grandson was killed by a paranoid and violent schizophrenic in Bedford. Government and opposition MPs have been assessing the detail of what the Chancellor called his Aspiration Nation budget. And in sport, after Stevenage boss leaves, Mark, uh, Captain Mark Roberts will take charge for this weekend's game. The weather today for beds, hearts and bucks are dry, bright and cold start. Feeling cold in the strong winds. Maximum temperature is five degrees. Coming up, what did you make of George Osborne's budget? Well, help for home buyers, a freeze in fuel duty and a penny off a pint of beer. Just some of the measures announced. Before 7.30, we'll find out more about what the budget will mean for you. BBC Three Counties Radio. Every weekday morning from nine. The JVS Show. With the biggest questions. Today on the big phone-in, I'm asking, would you support some dog breeds being removed from this country? Should traffic wardens be more lenient? Would the government be right to drop the minimum price for alcohol? And the biggest opinions. I think the tax is completely unfair. It doesn't matter how old they are or how young they are. They're still your children. It doesn't matter whether it's male or female or what. I'm disgusted with the people that... You should have cut them people off. The JVS Show. Weekdays from nine. On BBC Three Counties Radio. I think, I think I've been using the word homely in the wrong context. I described um, our weather lady, uh, Elizabeth Rosini, as, as sounding and looking homely. And I meant that as, a, as a, sincerely as a compliment. But it turns out perhaps it doesn't mean that. Rob from Stevenage, r- r- would you use the word homely to describe a nice sounding lady? Yeah, Definitely. It's not an insult, yeah, is it? No, not at all. No. My wife's homely, I'd say. She bakes cakes, does bread. Beautiful. Got chickens as well now, so yeah, I'll Sorry? call that homely. You've got chickens? 
Yeah, chickens now. Do you know how to hypnotise a chicken? No, I don't. How do you do that? This is this is true. Honestly, you, uh, this, uh, honestly, you get a chicken, you push it. This is true. You push its head down on the floor. It's not cruel. They're chicken. They're chickens. You get your finger, Peter Pointer. You put it at the tip of its beak, and you draw a straight line out uh, from its beak. Hypnotises a chicken. You watch about fifteen seconds. It'll just be there in a daze, and then it'll wake up. I've just had Catherine Boyle, who uh, sometimes does the uh, news here. She got sacked. No, she didn't get sacked. She's on her holidays. She just messaged mm-hmm. me going, homely means plain, you divvy. No. No. It's just kind of a nice, it's like a nice motherly term, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay, Rob. Well, no insult at all. It's not an insult at all. Thank you, Rob. No. By the way, I did, did you, sorry, did you just say your wife makes her own bread? Yeah. Ah, that's well. She's got. She's. She should do something with her, with her life. She's a homely mum. Yeah, but I, I wouldn't say that's an in, you know insult. Okay. All right, Rob. Well, listen. Thank you very much indeed. He's, he's kind of two birds, one stone. There. Don't call them birds. They hate that. Uh, homely is, is a is a compliment. I think it's definitely a compliment. But his wife bakes bread. Bread is very in at the moment to be made. Um, and it, if you make your own bread, you've got too much time on your hands. You can buy bread. Oh, yeah, but it's like 15 pence a loaf when you make it. So what? It takes hours. It takes hours. Oh, dear. Tim in Bromham says, I'm with Richard. who was a caller earlier on. I'm I'm considering banning for life. Homely is almost as bad as mumsy. I don't... It's a term of endearment. Oh, wait, 459, 455, 505. Women of uh, beds, hearts and bucks. If you were described as homely... Would you take that as an insult? I would describe Catherine Boyle as homely. I would describe producer Laura as homely. Producer Laura, if I described you as homely, you, would you be offended by that? No, I'd love it. It's a nice thing, isn't it? I'd love it. I'd kind of think, well, I was maybe bordering on a little bit like a, a nice new mum and I bake cakes and like oh. I, I wear an apron and I, I had the potential to kind of just be loving and caring. So, so it's a compliment and you're not very weird, are you? Mm- Borderline. Borderline, you see. But she's borderline. Oh, wait, 459, 455, 555. <laughs> now, the Chancellor has insisted that the government is slowly but surely fixing the country's economic problems. That's despite George Osborne being forced to admit in yesterday's budget that growth forecasts for 2013 have been halved. As part of his plans, he froze increases on beer tax and even went further by reducing it by one penny, although wine and spirits are up. It's caused a great deal of celebration here in the three counties. But why? Joined now by Mike Benner, who is Chief Executive of Camera, the Campaign for Real Ale, based in St Albans. Mike, why is everyone getting so excited? It's only a penny. Well, I think I mean, it's the first time we've seen a cut in beer duty in this country since the 1950s, I believe. So it's pretty momentous thing to happen and we've all got so used to the price of the pint going up that for once uh, we're going to see it come down uh, from sunday so i think that's great news for britain's beer drinkers but will it will it really make any difference it's not going to get people aren't going to be flocking to the 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 duck and horses or or whatever because they're going to save a penny on a pint well, I think it will make a difference, because if the escalator had been left in, pri- in place um, yesterday, then we would see prices over the bar going up probably by, by 10 pence, which is significant. And, of course, you put that on top of what's happened since the escalator was 
uh, introduced in 2008, and the price of a pint is becoming, you know, unaffordable for a lot of people. So to start taking it in the other direction, I think, will help get people back into pubs, and, and for us, that's what it's all about. It's been a long time since... I don't drink anymore, Mike. It's been a long time. How, I, think, I think a pint was about £2.15 pence when I last bought one. How much is it now? Well, it varies depending on where you are, of course, but typically across the country, you're certainly talking about a £3 uh, a pint average, but it can be much higher than that, and in some cheaper areas, uh, uh, you know, considerably lower. And, of course, one of the big problems is it's so much cheaper in supermarkets, and, and the reason uh, I think that the Chancellor has, has, has drawn beer out of this is, firstly, there's so many jobs in this country that are involved in beer and pubs, and seven out of ten pub drinks are beer so it's very much related to promoting pubs and uh, and creating jobs around that which is a very positive move i think he's he's reduced beer by a, a penny but a, a glass of wine for the ladies has, has gone up by 10 pence cider gone up by tuppence and spirits up by 38 pence i mean i think it's worth bearing in mind that that well over 85 percent of the beer consumed in this country is actually brewed here so we are, there's about a million jobs surrounding and supported by the beer industry whereas of course most wine and a lot of spirits are are imported so i think it's something that's tied very much with the with the pub and i think also that that really when it comes to wine drinking the kind of demand for it is less uh, price sensitive and it is for beer this is about our national drink and people being able to continue to enjoy that sociably uh, in the good old british pub will you continue to campaign for more tax to be slashed on beer Yes, we will, because I think that greater support is needed from the government for pubs. You know, they're very important to our way of life and they're a unique amenity. So we'll continue to push the government for for more action to support them. Mike, thank you very much indeed. Mike Benner, Chief Executive of Camera, the campaign for Real Ale. Well, a penny off a pint of beer. Maybe it's because I don't drink. It doesn't sound that attractive to me. Would that get you back in a pub? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Ben from Buckingham, this penny off a pint would would that get you back in your local boozer? Not really, no. What what would it take? Probably if they lifted the smoking ban. Are you are you a smoker? Yeah, yeah. I I I don't smoke, but I do miss the the smoky atmosphere of a pub. Yep. yep. Ben. Would you use the term homely to describe a woman? Yeah. It's not it's not an insult, is it? Nope, it just means that they like, you know, look keep a good good clean house and like to bake and look after their husband or boyfriend. And is that how you, you think um the, the, the you think the role of a woman should be baking and, and keeping in a clean house and looking after the husband? Mm, sometimes, but not all the time. I think, I, but men aren't really allowed to say that anymore, are they? But I, I think there's a good argument for it. Yeah. Well, Ben, uh, uh, enlightening as ever. Thank you very much, Ben from Buckingham. There. Oh wait, four five nine four double five five double five. The pint of uh, penny off a pint wouldn't get Ben back in the pub, but lifting the smoking ban would. I, I kind of agree. I do think. No, I do think that um, pubs should have the option to opt in or out of the smoking ban because there's something, isn't there, something special about walking into a pub and just, you know, you can't see the bar because there's a thick cloud of smoke. Isn't there? 08459 455 555. And Ben, there's slightly controversial views that perhaps uh, women 
homely women should be baking, cleaning the house and looking after their men. You can't really say that anymore, can you? But let's be honest. It's what we all want as gentlemen, isn't it? Isn't it? Really? Isn't it? Oh, wait, four, five, nine, four, double, five, five, double, five. Uh, Lee and Sandy has texted him. Eight, one, three, double, three. Starting the text three, CR. It's good news. They've frozen fuel duty. But we will pay for it in the long run. And do you really think that the landlords are going to take a penny off their price of a pint? The government are borrowing more money than last year, and therefore we will pay through the nose at some point. We're all doomed. We're doomed. Can we get a landlord on the phone? If you, if you run a pub, 08459 455 555, have you gone in this morning and instructed your staff to take that penny off that pint? Are you going to do it immediately? I bet there'll be loads of chalkboards up and down the three counties. Penny off a pint here, now. You'll see it everywhere. I'm sure they will. I'm sure most places will. I just don't think it's going to make that much difference at all. A penny. If I see a penny in the street, I don't even pick it up. Uh, Dave in Bedford says, uh, on the subject of bread making, bread's very popular at the moment, thanks to Paul Hollywood. Is that really is that really the gentleman's name? Wow, what a cool name. Hi, I'm Paul Hollywood. Where do you want your loaf? Uh, Dave in Bedford says, I do the same as your listener. Do the first half in the bread maker because the machine leaves a hole, one end for the stirrer. I would have thought as a caring parent, you wouldn't give your children supermarket bread. Look what's in it. Only use one and a half teaspoons of salt. Dave. Dave, I buy good bread. Don't buy the rubbish. Elizabeth! Hello, Darian. Hello, Elizabeth. If I called you as homely, you described you as homely, you wouldn't mind, would you, my dear? I don't mind the word homely. What I object to is what goes along with it. You know that chap who just said about women... Elizabeth, 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 do do me a favour. Get your phone. I've got it. Right, give it a good wallop on the table. (laughs) No, seriously, because it sounds awful. Give it a good smack on the table. Um, I think the batteries have had it. Oh, okay. But I, I didn't. I don't mind the homely bit. Yeah. It's a bit about women staying at home. I've got one like that, a yeah. man who thinks like that. Yeah. I'd like to trade him in for a new model. So hang on a minute. You don't like being at home, baking, cleaning up, looking after your husband? Uh, I don't. No, I think it's a. It, it, you share those things yes. now. I mean, the world's moved on. Yeah, sadly, some people would say. Sadly. That's what what some people would say, Elizabeth, not necessarily my thoughts. Yeah, but... uh, (laughs) Oh, just don't go there. (laughs) Oh, dear! I want a new model. I want a a fishier man. How long long have you been with this gentleman you're with now? I suppose it must be knocking on 45 years. Oh, that's too long, Elizabeth. It's too long. Listen, we've got a young lad here, Ollie, work experience. He's a good-looking boy, and he'll, he'll treat you like a lady. Shall we send him over? Yes. He's on his way, Elizabeth. Thank you very much indeed. Ollie, good luck. Travel news now. Here's Adam. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Cheers, it's southbound M1. It's looking pretty slow from Junction 10 at the Luton Airport Spur through to 9 at Redbourne for the A5. The A10 still looking busy round Chesant, between College Road all the way down to the M25 at Enfield. A1M slow southbound from Letchworth through to Welling Garden City. That's Junction 9 to 6 and it's taking about 35 minutes to get through. If you're using the A1 then into London, round Boreham Wood, you'll find 
nine queues from the Holiday Inn through to the A41 at Mill Hill. M25, not a bad morning, but it is slow in some of the usual places. Anti-clockwise, Junction 26 to 25, Waltham Abbey to Enfield, 21 at the M1 round to 19 at Watford, and 17 at Maple Cross through to 15 at the M4. Meanwhile, on the trains, it's a good service. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thank you very much indeed. This 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 homely controversy, it, it, it is controversial. I've just been sent via Twitter, at Ian Lee, um, a definition of what homely means. Oh, I could actually be in very serious trouble. I'll, I'll read it to you after the latest news and sport with Serena Farrow, who is definitely not homely. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. A grandfather wants tougher punishment after his grandson was killed by a paranoid and violent schizophrenic in Bedford. The government, meanwhile, is insisting it's making steady progress in reducing Britain's budget deficit, even though economic recovery is taking longer than expected. A major road's been closed because of sewage works in Shefford in Bedfordshire, but some people there say they've been left cut off from the rest of the town as a result. And there's now a new non-emergency call service set to be launched in Milton Keynes today. That's despite some criticism of it in other parts of the country. That's all the news. Now let's turn to the morning sport. Beds, Hearts and Bucks Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. So Stevenage captain Mark Roberts will take charge for this weekend's game to Tranmere. It follows yesterday's sacking of boss Gary Smith. Our Stevenage commentator Steve Watkins says former manager Graham Wesley's the obvious replacement. I can't see too much past it to be honest. Um, you know, give me a list of available managers and tell me somebody that would, would suit the, um, the, the frame for Stevenage. Elsewhere, England's under-21 side are in Buckinghamshire tonight as they host Romania in a friendly at Wickham. It's a 7 o'clock kick-off as the under-21s play at Adams Park for the first time in 16 years. Watford's on-loan midfielder Nathaniel Chalabar is in the England squad. Stuart Pearce, though, is the under-21s coach. I think anyone that turns up for the game will, will, will be nicely surprised if they've not been to 21 football before. You know, we're playing a decent brand of football. I think last time out, last month, when we beat Sweden, was as good a first-half performance as I been party too. Moving on to cricket and the third and deciding test between New Zealand and England gets underway in Auckland tonight, our time. Hertfordshire boxer Billy Joe Saunders faces Matthew Hall for the British and Commonwealth middleweight titles later on. Hatfield Saunders is making the first defence of his British title and the fourth defence of his Commonwealth title. And finally, tennis. Laura Robson's through to the second round of the Miami Masters. She beat Italy's Camilla Giorgi in three sets, 6-2, BBC Three Counties News and Sport. More from me at Eight. Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Coming up between now and eight o'clock, you've got a health problem, you want some advice, but you don't think you should really be calling 999. Well, there's a new number, 111, already operational in Buckinghamshire and Hertfordshire. Today it launches in Milton Keynes. And we're discussing this morning whether it's a good idea or just another confusing number. And people living in part of Shefford say they've been left cut off from the rest of the town as a result of major road closure for sewage works. Justin Delia spent the morning there. We'll hear from him in around 20 minutes to see how bad the situation is. You can go and have a look at the picture of that as well. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. But you're, you're a funny lot. You lot. We're talking about all these big issues. We're talking about the, the, the Shefford. We're talking about schizophrenia. We're talking about this 111. The thing that you're all calling in about is because I dared to call Elizabeth Rosini a wonderful weather lady, homely. Now, I meant it as a charming in term of endearment. 
loads of you got very, very offended by it. Charlotte from Biggles Way. Charlotte, would, would you be offended by being called homely? No, not at all. It's a, it's a nice... Oh, Charlotte, can you turn your radio off me, please? It is off. Oh, is it? Well, you've, got a, you've got a weird phone, then. Anyway, it, it's a term of endearment, isn't it? It's, 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 a, it's a nice thing to say to someone. Yeah, I think so, and I think traditional values are good. Um, I'm 25, but my partner and I both agree that if we could afford for me not to work and stay at home, then that's what would happen. Well, hang on a second, Charlotte. You're, this, this, this is uh, inverted feminism. A 25-year-old woman who would be happy to stay at home what, and, and clean and cook and, and look after your man? Yeah, definitely. He must think he's in hog heaven, this fella. He's totally landed on his feet. Hasn't he, just? Charlotte, are you beautiful as well? Mm, not bad. What, this is, <laughs> what's your bloke's name? Dave. Dave. Dave, Dave, you've, you've landed on your feet there. Charlotte, I'm going to let you go just because the line's so bad. But 25-year-old hot woman who, who thinks staying at home looking after a man is, is the, the way to be. Someone has tweeted me the definition of homely. Adjective. One, of a person, unattractive in appearance. Maybe I've, uh, maybe I've totally misunderstood what homely means. I thought it was just a nice... Oh, you're very homely. It's kind of like a nice thing. It's like Mumsy, yeah? Mumsy. Avelia from Wing. Good morning. Is it Avelia? Oh, yes. Hello, Avelia. What's a, uh, homely's a nice word, isn't it? Well, it's a lovely word. I can understand your, um, your, the implications you're implying with it, obviously. Um, but I think most women would sort of think, mm, is that it? <laughs> I just feel a bit uh, deflated by something like that. But I, I, would, I would use it in conjunction, you know, be, uh, by me describing someone as homely, it's not excluding them from being, you know, sexy or a minx or intellectual. Those things could still apply. You, you can be sexy and homely. Well, this is true, but I think most people would assume you're not. Oh. I think that's the implication, is that you, you're either one or the other. And that's how, because people like to put you in boxes, don't they? They do tend to like to have you... You know, you're either this or you're that. And um, and that's the trouble. If you put it homely on somebody, it tends to imply that everything else isn't there. And I think that's what why women go a bit, oh, oh. if you say it. I mean, but I understand, you know, when you explain what you mean by it, yeah. I, you know, then it does sound okay. And then you think, oh, okay, I, I see what you mean. But, you I, know, it's one of those words that's just a bit, Ooh, when somebody says it to you. I've so. genu- I think I've genuinely misunderstood the word and been using it in the wrong context. So are, are you homely, Avelia? Um, uh, no, actually, I'm a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I could tell. I've got, um, I've got two kids, but the place is a complete tip all the time. So and what did you think of our last caller, 25? She, she says she's hot. She is happy to stay at home, clean, cook, look after her man. Yeah, it's quite, um, in a sense, I'm quite horrified. <laughs> In a sense, it's kind of, it's nice. I mean, they're each to their own. I mean, if she's happy like that, then that's great. But, um, you know, it depends whether you're in that situation because you deliberately decided to be, mm. and that can make a difference as well. If you've deliberately decided to be, um, sorry, I've just got to argue with one child here. No, Laura. Um, if, if, um, What's Laura trying to do? Um, take a new iPod to school. Oh, Laura, no. It'll get broken. You'll crack the screen, Laura. Naughty. Exactly. Avelia, listen, thank you very much. 08459 455 555. Speaking of phone numbers, a new non-emergency 111 call service is due to be launched in Milton Keynes today, despite some criticism of it in other parts of the country. 
Uh, the scheme allows call handlers Harmony to reduce the workload of the 999 service, but has experienced some teething problems. Uh, a pilot scheme has been taking uh, place in Luton, but it's yet to be rolled out in the rest of Bedfordshire. Well, we're joined now by Dr Nicola Smith, who chairs Milton Keynes Clinical Commissioning Group. Good morning, Doctor. Uh, oh, sorry, you're there. Good morning, Doctor. I am, hi. Yeah, sorry. And we'll come to you in a second. I'll also speak to uh, Andrew Pakes, his Labour's parliamentary spokesperson for Milton Keynes. Morning, Andrew. Good morning, there. Andrew, what do you think about this new 111 system? Uh, well, I'm a little bit concerned, um, firstly, that uh, starting today in Milton Keynes, we have a private profit-making company taking over quite a significant part of our national health service. Now, we're always told that privatisation isn't happening, that profit-making companies aren't making money out of mining your health service, uh, yet today they are starting that service. And secondly, uh, where this has been tried in other parts of the country, where they've cut costs uh, to try and deliver a contract, we've seen problems happening, and we haven't seen a reduction in the call-outs for ambulances or people going to A&E. We've actually seen more people going to an A&E as a result of this. And I know our hospital is under great pressure at the moment. I'm just worried about what's really going to happen here. Will, will this, though, uh, Andrew, not take the pressure off the 999 service? Well, look, we already had NHS Direct, which was a great service, uh, staffed with a much higher level numbers of nurses and trained medical staff. So when I phoned up NHS Direct, which existed up until uh, you know, yesterday, I could get through to a nurse or someone with trained medical experience and they could advise me whether I need to go to my doctor or A&E. This company is using a lot fewer medical staff. They're using people who are sent to, uh, you know, who are just sent on a call centre training course. The same as when you phone the bank or you try and book a re-delivery of a, you know, of a parcel. And I'm not sure they're the best people to advise us. And what we've seen in Wiltshire and Bristol where they've tried this project is that call handlers have sent, you know, they sent an ambulance to someone with hiccups two weeks ago because they weren't quite sure how to diagnose something. And that's why I'm really worried that we're going to see greater strain on the NHS, not less. Dr Smith, are you, are you worried about this? Do you share Andrew's concerns? Um, well, what, what I would like to say, really, is that I think 111 is going to be a great advantage to patients in, in Milton Keynes, and it is a, it is a national service. Um, I think the first thing to say is I'm not, I'm not a politician, so, you know, privatisation or whatever of the NHS isn't something that, no. you know, the sort of decisions that I'm, you know, empowered to make. From our point of view, clearly what we want is to provide a great service for patients of Milton Keynes. I think at the minute we've got a really confusing array uh, of emergency services. I think in the olden days you either had your GP or the A&E department. I mean, nowadays you've got all sorts of different... Well, it's not that confusing. It was either 999 or um, NHS Direct. Those were the the, the two options I was aware of. Absolutely right. But what, can you remember the number for NHS Direct off the top of your head? 03451234. I think. Yeah. yeah. Is that uh, right? I think you know it is. I think it's going to be much simpler for patients. And I think how do patients choose which emergency service to use? I mean, they're the two phone numbers to remember nowadays. Um, but there's other services. I mean, you've got the GP surgery, you've got um, urgent care centres, and the A and E department. How do you make those choices as to where you know you need to go for a particular problem? And I think what we're trying to do here is trying to help make patients make that right decision. The benefit of, of NHS directors, Andrew points out, and I've, I've, I've used that a lot with, with my two boys, is that you will speak to a nurse. That, who will, who's got some medical training. I'd rather that than, than speak to just a, a call centre operative. 
I mean, you're absolutely right. The, the call handlers are not medically trained, but the vast majority of the calls that will come through to 111 do not require a medically trained person. But, of course, it's not. It's a team effort. But if my boy, um, if my not, boy is sick, got... which is what I called mm-hmm. for, if my little boy is sick and I, I'm a new parent and I don't know what on earth is going on, mm. I do want it. It is a medical problem. I do want to speak oh, to someone. Oh, absolutely right. But the, the 111 call handler will be able to, divert, to direct you to the correct service that, to, to, you know, to sort out your problem. Um, or, alternatively, there are nurses on call that can actually talk to you and deal with the problem should that be necessary. So you're not you're not losing the medical cover, but it is being handled in a very different way. All the calls are handled from Ipswich, aren't they? That's absolutely right, yes. Is that not a problem, that you, you're um, going to lose some of the local knowledge? It, it really doesn't matter, because the local what the 111 service uses is something called the Directory of Services. So all the local services are... Um, on a database which which call handlers can access. And I yeah. think that the, it doesn't really matter whether the call centre is in Ipswich, Milton Keynes, Edinburgh, or wherever it you know might be. Wherever in the country that takes your call, we'll know what local services are available. Andrew, what was your response to that? Well, look, I, I think Nicola and her team are doing you know a great job trying to cope with some of the changes which are being forced on Milton Keynes uh, and the area. You know, the basic question is, is the government introducing this new service to improve medical care or is it about saving money and my real worry is that it's about cost cutting you know it is a lot cheaper for the government and the nhs to employ someone who's had a six-week course about reading a script on a computer screen as a call center handler than it does having proper nursing staff who can answer those questions i just think we need to be transparent about what's happening to our you know our nhs we've got a, a you know a growing city We've got more babies being born here. We've got more people needing to rely on the NHS. And everything Nicola said about making it simpler for patients is... I'm on exactly the same page as that. I'm just not sure the company behind the service is going to live up to that expectation. He's got a point, hasn't he, uh, uh, Doctor, that um, it, this is a company behind it, Harmony. Mm-hmm. They've not got our best intentions at heart. They're there to make money, surely. Well, I mean, I wouldn't say that. I think obviously they are a company and, we're, you know, there's a lot of private companies working with NHS contracts these days and what we need to ensure as commissioners is that company provides the best quality of service for our patients and I think, um, you know, they're not there to provide a poor service, they're there to provide a good service and that's what we want to see from them. So we are, what we are doing is, as a commissioning group is monitoring that service on a daily basis at the moment to ensure that there are no problems for patients and that they're providing great quality care. Dr Nicola Smith uh, chairs Milton Keynes Clinical Commissioning Group and Andrew Pakes, Labour's parliamentary spokesperson for Milton Keynes. Thank you very much. 08459 555555. What do you think? 111. Um, Does it make things easier for you? Does it concern you at all if you've used it? Uh, What's your story, good or bad? 08459 555555. Right, travel news now. Here's Adam Glynn. Hearts and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Cheers in. The A1 southbound round Boreham Wood is queuing between Holiday Inn and the A41 at Mill Hill, looking particularly busy on the cameras round there this morning. The A1's also looking slow southbound around the Black Cat roundabout. It's one of our usual hotspots, but it is particularly busy. Slow back to the Eaton Soken and St Neots turn. If you're using the M25, you're going to find it rather slow from the M1 at Junction 21 round to 19 at Watford, and then again passing the M40 junction, though the M40 on camera does seem to be moving all right today. No real problems on the M1, although it's pretty slow actually 
from Junction 10 at the Luton Airport Spur to 9 at Redbourne on the southbound side. Northbound looking fine. Meanwhile on the trains, no major problems or delays reported across the three counties. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thank you very much. Right, 7.46 on the nose. It's Thursday the 21st of March. I'm Ian Lee and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. A grandfather says paranoid and violent schizophrenics should be locked up after his grandson was killed in Bedford. People say they've been left cut off from the rest of Shefford because of sewage works. And in sport, Captain Mark Roberts takes over while Stevenage find a new boss. Coming up before 8 o'clock, we'll be hearing from some of the residents of Shefford in Bedfordshire about their concerns after they've been cut off from the rest of the town because of a major road closure. If you want to have a look at a picture of that, uh, you can go to facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. But now let's get the latest weather with, well, I, I daren't use the word homely now after the furore it's caused. It's Elizabeth Rosini. Beds, hearts and bugs weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Hello, a very good morning to you. You can call me whatever you like. Elizabeth, I've got in so much trouble from callers <laughs> saying that I've, I've basically insulted you. I, I can only apologise. Oh, so, so I hit. That's fine. It's all right. Don't worry. OK, well, away you go. It's, it's weather minx Elizabeth um, Rosini. Well, I don't know if that's better. Thank you very much. Oh, that sounds nice. But I haven't got very good news for you, whatever you call me. Um, it is quite cloudy now. We've got clouds spreading over from the west into parts of Buckinghamshire, but elsewhere over Hertfordshire, over Bedfordshire too. It's a nice, bright, sunny start to the day. It is rather cold. We saw frost overnight. Temperatures this afternoon will only get up to between around 4 and 6 degrees Celsius in Luton, in Milton Keynes and in High Wycombe as well. It's going to feel really quite chilly with a strengthening southeasterly breeze, but at least for most of the day, it should stay dry. Now, from the west, we're going to start to see a few outbreaks of rain spread in, I think, through this evening's rush hour, and then it will be quite wet overnight with outbreaks of light patchy rain. This could turn a little bit sleety at times over the tops of the Chilterns I think tonight just for a time but any wet snow is going to be really quite short lived I think it will turn quickly back to rain A very cold night ahead with a very strong easterly breeze developing so by the time we get to tomorrow morning yes the temperatures will be on 1 or 2 degrees above freezing but it's going to be windy, there'll be outbreaks of rain that could be a bit sleety at times tomorrow all in all not a very nice day of weather at all tomorrow Temperatures only to 2 or 3 degrees Celsius and feeling even colder than that because of the wind chill. Now, we may just see a little bit more in the way of snow, just about anywhere, actually, although I don't expect it to settle anywhere but over the tops of the hills on Friday night into Saturday. So, yeah, a bit wintry at times, I'm afraid, Ian. Thank you, Elizabeth. Wintry at times. It's nearly April. Weekends on BBC Three Counties Radio. Chet and Partick. For me, Sunday evenings are a chance to sit back, relax and get your head together for the week ahead. Chet and Partick. There's plenty of music to help you reflect, relax or revive yourself after a long weekend and plenty of talking points with news, entertainment and lots of live guests in the studio. Every Sunday night from six. I like hearing stories. It's your experiences that really make this station what it is. Chet and Partick. Every Sunday Sunday night from six on BBC Three Counties Radio. People living in a part of Shefford in Bedfordshire say they've been left cut off from the rest of the town as a result of a major road closure for sewage works. Elderly residents say that to access the town by car, which is no more than a few hundred yards away, now involves a ten-mile round trip. 
Anglian Water say they looked at installing traffic lights on the B658 Stamford Road, but in the end, a full closure was the only option. Well, we sent our Waterworks correspondent Justin Dealey down to Shefford this morning, where he's been speaking to some of the residents. Well, lots of very angry people here. Kerry Petrinikus, uh, we'll talk to yourself first. I mean, just how has your life been for the last, what, four weeks or so now? Yes, um, it's been a struggle trying to get the kids to school, having to leave extra um, early to get there, make sure they get there safely, um, extra money to find for the fuel. Um, it's just it's just a nightmare, you know. And when you have spoken to Anglia Mortar, what, what have they said to you? Um, talk to the people down there that are dealing with it, see if they, see if they can come up to an idea of letting you through. Or, But when we spoke to them, they just said, no, it's not visible to get through there and i mean i can see the frustration on your face right now you just about had enough of this yes. and now of course the work has been extended that's just a, a another bit of disappointment for yes, you yes it is yes um it makes me angry because um i was you know didn't have any prior notice that this was happening um so when they said oh the road was closed off i just thought it was for a couple of days mm-hmm. like they've done before um but this seems to be longer and longer and so let's get this absolutely clear. You've had no warning, no letter, no nothing to say these works will be taking place at this time and you would be inconvenienced. No, nothing. Nothing at all? Nothing. How does that make you feel? Angry. Mm. Um, and you just get fobbed off by Anglia Water. They just send you, oh, go, go and speak to the contractors that are dealing with it. Um, well, it took me a long while to get here this morning, I can tell you that much. Um, Camille Wiley's here as well. Camille, you're actually parking your car in a different location now to, to save fuel because you can't afford these round trips anymore. Yeah, I'm having to park my car the other side of the estate where we live on, on, an, on a, a main road. Um, and I have two children, young children, and I'm having to walk them through the estate, out the other side, and then cross in quite a main road with them to get them into our car so that we can then carry on with our morning. I've got to get them to a childminder, and then I have to get myself to work. Um, so it's, it's crazy. I mean, some people say it's only for a few weeks, but you would argue, well, hang on a minute here, my life is being disrupted day after day. It is only for a few weeks, people may say, but like, like you just said, it's been extended. And I think the problem, the main problem that we all have is that we were not told, we were not informed. If we'd had a letter or someone had, you know, spoken to us, but nobody was informed about this work being carried out, um, only for me to be coming home one day and and the road be shut, and that was it. Okay, and a a final word here with Michael Davis as well. Michael, you're telling me that that you pick up your granddaughter once a week. Two-minute journey now takes you 20 minutes. When you have phone Anglia Mortar, are they interested? They don't care, not interested at all. I think we should be compensated for our increased costs, but they just don't want to know. So everyone here wants money back because of, course, of the extra fuel that the conversation... Do. I mean, people can't afford, especially the price of diesel and petrol these days, can't afford this. Uh, Angry Water should at least take some of off of our next bill. We pay enough now as it is. Uh, I reckon they should at least take £50 off our bill for the year. Well, listening to that is John Clare from Anglian Water. John, you don't care. 
Oh, we do care. I am very sorry that people are being inconvenienced to this extent. I mean, the reason I should say that we were doing the scheme in the first place is um, because there were some homes, about six, in fact, in, in Stanford Road that um, I'm afraid are liable to, to sewer flooding, um, uh, which is, of course, as you can imagine, extremely unpleasant. Uh, and the scheme really is to alleviate that, to stop that from happening. So while it is uh, enormously inconvenient, and I've had a look at the diversion route this morning on a map, and it is, um, I'm sure, a right royal pain... Um, um, it's a very long way, you know, the end result is, you know, for, for these people's neighbours, um, the homes and gardens won't be at risk from sewer flooding. Anna on Facebook says, I live in the affected road. My children go to school in Shillington. This is now a 10-mile trip rather than a 5-mile trip. Going anywhere the other side of Shefford takes forever. The fuel cost has to come out of our food budget now. Yeah, and I appreciate that there is an enormous inconvenience. I'm not I'm not um, shying away from that at all. What I'm trying to say is that, you know, that the work is being done for a very good reason i've heard what people have said there about not being informed in advance which which is a concern because uh, they certainly should have been and um i'll look into that when we get off the phone here this morning and see what's gone on there but but you know the point being here we couldn't do this work in any other way other than to close the road and where these houses are you know they're the other side of the river flit and and there really is only um the one way in and around why couldn't traffic lights be installed it just simply isn't safe we've got very heavy machinery moving around we're actually installing an underground tank that that's part of the scheme here it's uh, um just to give you some very quick deal it's detail it's sort of half a million pounds and more scheme we're going to sink a, a concrete storage tank under the restaurant car park at the end of the road actually and build a new sewer an overflow sewer if you like so that when the old sewer you know fills um, rather than that sewage um, going into people's gardens and, and, and homes it, it'll overflow into this tank and it'll be stored underground until it can be pumped away when, when the flows return to normal so it's a, it's a big piece of work um, and you know it just simply wouldn't be safe either for, for people driving or, or for the workforce if we were to let um, vehicles through part, part of the reason sorry I heard people on that saying that the work had been um, delayed and it's true and, and part of the reason there was because the HGVs in particular were ignoring the diversion signs and trying to get through uh, and getting stuck um, and, and well, were they, had we, to lift the diversion and then put it back Were in they ignoring the diversion signs or as, as some residents say the signage was too poor? Well they certainly either ignored it or they didn't see it. Um, you know we have increased the signage um, I don't know, uh, you'd have to ask that the people who tried to get through unfortunately I, I, you know, from our point of view setting up uh, can't get through and are getting stuck on that road which isn't an ideal situation when does this finish john this should finish in the second week of april um and uh you know at least the road will certainly be open in the second week of April. Uh, and as I say, I very much hope, you know, that, that the inconvenience, which is which is acute but, but short-term, you know, will be outweighed in the long term by the fact that people living along that road won't now have to live in, in, in fear of, you know, that, that sewer flooding, which really is unpleasant. And in terms of compensation, what are you going to do about that? I've heard people, I've heard what they've said, um, I, and as I say, this morning I can see that uh, that there is a, a long way around here uh, and a lot of inconvenience so you know we'll, we'll see what can be done what what kind of things could be done i mean uh, yeah, money sitting sitting here i don't know Ian, but you know i'm very happy to go away especially at the the, the uh, issue of people not being notified in advance uh, and and see what's gone on because I think the issues here, the, the, the two main ones seem to be that people not being notified in advance and the, 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 the massive inconvenience and, and the petrol the extra, usage. The extra cost of them then to go around about, So you, yeah. maybe you could look towards contributing towards that? As I say, I'm not going to see what we'll do, what we do. Mm. We'll go. 
Okay, John, we're, we're losing the signal there, which is, uh, <clears throat> some might say convenient. I'm sure it's just a coincidence, but we've, we've, we've put the point to him, dear listener. And uh, it's, it's now up to, to John Clare from Anglian Water as to what he does. This is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Should we have a quick look? Well, let's not look at the front pages. I want to go inside to um, the, the Daily... I think it's the Express. Is the Express or the Mail? All of the papers are basically banging on about... Um, uh, the uh, the budget yesterday, so it's all the budget. No, I think it was maybe in the mail. There's a picture of the prism that Vicky Price is... Remember her? And Vicky Price was going to go... They're going to go to prison for months and it's going to be hellish. How on earth are they going to survive? It's going to be an absolutely awful experience for them. Well, there's a picture... Oh, here it is. Look at this. Page 19 of the mail. I wouldn't mind staying in that prison. It's gorgeous. 15th century mansion holds around 100 prisoners. She's not wearing jeans and a, uh, a you know, a stripy jersey. She's got, they're all dressed quite casually. Clutching a bundle of papers, Professor, Professor Vicky Price could be on her way to her next economics lecture. Casually dressed, wearing little or no makeup, she appears businesslike, but relaxed. In fact, she's on her way to the library at her home for the next few weeks, East Sutton Park Prison. Now, you know, I... I, I I don't want to sound all right-wing and stuff, but th- that's not a prison. That's, that's a couple of weeks away in the countryside. I would go and stay there. I'd love to. Have a look, look at it in the Daily Mail, and uh, it will probably leave you scratching your head. I think uh, her husband, her ex-husband, is going to go to somewhere that's um, pretty similar as well. It's hardly Holloway. It's not quite what we were led to believe they'd be enduring. Here's the travel news now with Adam Glynn. Hearts and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. On the northbound M1, you'll find a lane closed on the exit slip at Junction 13. That's for Bedford and Milton Keynes South. Broken down vehicle on that exit slip, I'm afraid, but traffic does seem to be getting past it okay. On the southbound M1, the main carriageway is looking slow from the Luton Airport Spur to Junction 9 at Redbourne. Junction 10 to 9 round there. It's taking about 5-10 minutes to get through. Southbound A1M, that's still showing delays from Junction 9 at Letchworth through to 6 at Welling Garden City, taking around half an hour. The clockwise M25 has started to get slow approaching the roadwork, so Junction 23 at the A1M. Anti-clockwise, meanwhile, it's more of one solid queue now from Junction 20 at Kings Langley round to 16 at the M40. And if you're driving into London, the southbound A1 in Boreham Wood continues to queue between the Holiday Inn and the A41 at Mill Hill. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. Coming up in the next hour of the show, how does the budget affect the people of beds, hearts and bucks? And homely... Is it really an insult to women? We'll discuss it more after the news. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's eight o'clock, the headlines. Teenagers' death sparks questions about schizophrenics. Locals in Shefford angry they're being forced to travel miles. And Stevenage on the lookout for a new boss. BBC Three Counties Radio. A grandfather says paranoid and violent schizophrenics should be locked up indefinitely after his grandson was killed in Bedford. Victor Reeves' grandson Boris was killed by Milton Downer, who three days earlier had only been released from a mental health unit in Luton. Chief Executive of Charity Buckinghamshire Mine 
mind is Rob Michael Phillips. Certainly better crisis care in hospitals so that people have got places to go to and that there are more beds available and an increase in funding for the sort of services that can keep an eye on people more closely and make sure they are taking their medication when they are struggling with that. Turning to other news and people say they've been left cut off from the rest of Shefford in Bedfordshire because of sewage works. Elderly residents there say it's no more than a few hundred yards to drive by car, but now it's a ten mile round trip. Anglian Water says they did look at installing traffic lights on the Stanford Road, but shutting it was the best option. One of the residents on Gresham Way is Christine Cullerton. Although people from here are able to walk into the town centre to access those services. Those who are elderly or vulnerable are completely cut off because it's a 10-mile round trip from here if you're going by Mm. um, car or public vehicle. Looking at the budget now, and Labour's accusing the government of manipulating its spending to avoid embarrassment when the budget was delivered yesterday. It says some public spending has been deliberately delayed into the next financial year in order to keep the level of borrowing within the government's self-imposed targets. Ministers have confirmed that some payments were postponed. Now, a new emergency one-to-one call service is going to be launched in Milton Keynes today, despite some criticism of it in other parts of the country. The scheme allows call handlers Harmony to reduce the workload of the 999 service, but it's already experienced some problems. Andrew Pakes, Labour's parliamentary spokesperson for the town, has concerns. We have a private profit-making company taking over quite a significant part of our national health service. Now, we're always told that privatisation isn't happening, that profit-making companies aren't making money out of mine and your health service, uh, yet today they are starting that service. And Dr Nicola Smith, who chairs Milton Keynes Clinical Commissioning Group, says it can be confusing. You've got the GP surgery, you've got um, urgent care centres and the A&E department. How do you make those choices as to where you know you need to go for a particular problem? Sport now and captain Mark Roberts takes over while Stevenage find a new boss for this weekend's trip to Tranmere. It follows yesterday's sacking of Gary Smith. Weather and dry and bright but feeling quite cold in those strong winds. Temperatures of 5 degrees Celsius, 41 in Fahrenheit's the best wrap-up. There's more news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. BBC Three Counties Radio, first for news. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. It's three minutes past eight, Thursday the 21st of March, and it's freezing cold out there. What's going on? It's nearly April, for goodness sakes. A little bit of warmth from going miss. I want to get out in the garden. Not do anything in the garden, just get out in the garden, please. I'm here every weekday morning from six until nine o'clock, and coming up between now and JVS... Should schizophrenics with violent tendencies be locked up indefinitely? We'll hear from the grandfather of a Bedford teenager who was stabbed to death by a paranoid schizophrenic. Well, he certainly thinks so. And when you need health advice, who do you call? Your doctor? 999? Well, there's a new number now. 111. It's being launched in Milton Keynes today. It's already up and running in part of Hertfordshire. We'll have a look and find out whether it's a good idea. And if I called you homely... How would you react? I thought it was a compliment, but turns out I've said something vaguely controversial. I, I, I didn't mean to. Lots of ways to get in touch. Facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. You can also see a picture of Paul Scoyne's loaf. You can send me a text. Yeah, I know. You can send me a text. Not what you think. Uh, 81333. Start your text 3CR. Or you can give me a phone call. 08459 455555. 
BBC Three Counties Radio. The grandfather of a teenager who was stabbed to death in Bedford by a paranoid schizophrenic says schizophrenics with violent tendencies should be locked up indefinitely. Victor Reeve's grandson, Boris, was killed by Milton Downer, who three days earlier had been released from a mental health unit in Luton. An independent report concluded staff at Oakley Court were not fully aware of Downer's criminal record, drug use or his history of violence. Well, Victor spoke to us for the first time since the report was published and he says there should be a change in the law. He's very much in my thoughts most days. And, you know, the, the thoughts you have is how could I have prevented it or how could it have ended up differently? But, of course, there's nothing you can do about it now. Now, you mentioned prevention there, Victor. It's your belief that anybody suffering with schizophrenia with violent tendencies should never be released from a secure unit. Can you tell us more about your thoughts on that, please? Well, it's, it's my belief that people who are predisposed to violence and have been diagnosed with schizophrenia are never cured. I, I haven't heard of one instance where a person suffering these symptoms has been cured, which means when they're released into the public, um, they're relying on drugs to control their behaviour. And you're talking about relying on people who are irresponsible in the first place and can't be relied on taking their medication every day and acting like normal citizens. So inevitably, at some stage, they're going to come off their drugs and commit an act of violence. You're perfectly entitled to your view and what's happened in your family has been an absolute tragedy, but some people may say your views are, are slightly harsh. Oh, I, can, I can understand them, believe they're slightly harsh, but you, you also understand that when they release a person who's got violent tendencies, in my own case, the mistake the people who released him make is that they go and kill some perfectly innocent child. So as far as you're concerned, they simply can't be trusted to take their medication then? No, I don't believe they can. I mean, they're, they're taken into care in the first place because they're dysfunctional. They can't manage their own lives through their illness. And as a result, surely they're not going to be any more responsible when they're released. They haven't cured their illness. They've treated it with drugs, making them chemically incapable of, of thought in most cases. And so therefore, at one stage or another... They will come off their medication. These people have not asked for this illness, though, have they? So you, you must have some sympathy with them, surely. Look, I've got the utmost sympathy. I have a lifelong friend who was diagnosed with schizophrenia in his early 20s. He's managed his life as best he can. He's had episodes where he's come off medication and been taken into hospital for months at a time. But at the end of the, the day, he wasn't violent and he didn't make any of other people's lives suffer through his illness but yeah i've got the deepest sympathy with people this whole ordeal has been absolutely horrendous for your family i suppose essentially what you don't want is any other family to go through what you've been through that's absolutely correct and um i fear it will happen to other people in the present system we've got where there's pressure under the powers that be to release people into the community albeit you know with being controlled by drugs but i'm sure it will happen again and again until the system is changed well that was victor reevey speaking to our reporter justin dealey i'm joined now by psychiatrist and bbc three counties presenter dr chetna kang who has treated patients in hertfordshire with schizophrenia morning doctor good morning how do you access whether a patient is a risk to society how do you access or assess uh, assess sorry assess um okay 
It's, it's quite simple. I mean, it, we need to assess whether the risk is, first of all, we assess risk to themselves and also to other people, and we look at risk um, in short term and long term. And we do that for everybody. It doesn't matter whether they have schizophrenia or depression. Um, and the, the key thing to be able to assess that risk is our current assessment, so what information do we have right now, and uh, our assessment of the person's mental state, and also their past history. The past history is very important. So having access to their past records, because you can't get all the information um, just from an assessment often, especially if somebody is very, very disturbed or upset. So past history and um, the current information. Is there a good argument for, for people who uh, are schizophrenic and do have a history of violence that, that, that perhaps they shouldn't be released into the community? You know, I think to decide on the diagnosis alone is probably oversimplistic because if you look at schizophrenia alone as a risk factor for violence, it only slightly increases your risk of violence compared to the general population. And that's when they are violent, it's largely driven by fear rather than malice. Whereas, you know, you look at alcohol, it's far more likely to make you violent. So I think any case where there's violence or uh, crime involved, regardless of whether there's illness present or not, or what illness is present, needs to be done on a very individual basis. I mean, the same liberty is offered to somebody without illness that, based on your crime and your motive, how long you spend in prison or reformation or rehabilitation is variable. So I think that same liberty needs to be offered to people with an illness. Isn't it the argument that um, perhaps uh, certain schizophrenics might be unaware? And I'm not, I, I, listen, I know that most schizophrenics aren't violent, of course, but I'm just speaking about those that, that do have a violent history, that there is a possibility that they're unaware that they're a violent, their violence and their aggressive behaviour is inappropriate. Um, yeah, that can be there with with illness and without you can have no mental illness and still think that your violent tendencies are um well they should well those people should be locked up i think okay there's the whole idea around healthcare is about looking at someone's not just their illness but their understanding about their illness so their treatment needs to be tailored towards that and if they're getting treatment for all aspects so psychological understanding about their illness and uh how they or why they behave a certain way plus medication for the actual illness itself if if you if they've got a good treatment plan that should be looking at um alleviating whatever's causing the problem so there is opportunity for those tendencies to actually go away it's not that somebody who ha might have violent tendencies before their because of their schizophrenia will have them lifelong there'll be some people who will have them lifelong but there's others who won't and i've seen successful cases mm. even with violent tendencies get rehabilitated to a point where they're no longer violent we do hear stories, though, where, where uh, people with all kinds of mental illness, including schizophrenia, they don't necessarily realise that they're ill or that they don't think they need to take their medication and they stop their medication and become worse again. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's, there's a, there is a lot of understanding, misunderstanding about schizophrenia. I mean, just the fact that we, we opened, you know, you opened the, the show with a paranoid schizophrenic. Schizophrenia is used as an adjective. Actually, it's an illness that someone experiences. It's not that, OK, we've got this adjective and it very accurately describes what someone's mental state is going to be like. So, you know, it's, a, it's an illness with some common features, such as hallucinations, unusual beliefs, um, and uh, paranoia. And not everyone has all of these. 
no, but, that, but, but, but this gentleman did. That's why we use the phrase paranoid schizophrenic, because he, I believe he was a paranoid schizophrenic. Yes, but paranoid schizophrenia is an illness, and it doesn't look the same in everybody. So someone's frequency and intensity of symptoms well, will be variable, OK? How, how should we have described him, then, that that's, if that's not an actual well, he's description? Well, he's a gentleman who suffered with paranoid schizophrenia. He's not a paranoid yeah. schizophrenic. Schizophrenia mm. is such a diverse illness. I, th- I think we're arguing semantics here, Doctor. I, I, he, he is a paranoid schizophrenic, and, and he, he, he murdered someone, so he, I, I don't think it's unfair to use that term to describe him, is it? I, I think it is. It's like, uh, it's, um, it's, it's not an adjective. It's, right. it's, um, but it's a it's description of the... It's it, like yeah. a, calling somebody with a physical disability a spastic. It's, it's using a well, generic no, it's, term. Well, no, it's not. It's not, because spastic is, is, is seen as being insulting, isn't it? So, it, so is the term... It, if you say to so- someone they're paranoid schizophrenic right. or you're schizophrenic, it's like you're saying their whole identity is defined by their illness when it's not. Well, no, th- there, is a d- uh, there is a difference between para- calling someone paranoid schizophrenic. Sorry to get bogged down with this, but there is a yeah. difference between describing someone as paranoid schizophrenic when they are and describing someone as a spastic when that has taken on a whole new meaning, which is, is, is an insult. He, 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 he was diagnosed, I think, and if I've got this wrong, I apologise, he was diagnosed as a paranoid schizophrenic, wasn't okay. he? Okay, I... I I'd, I don't know how much longer we should continue arguing this. All I'm saying oh, is I'm not saying that he doesn't have paranoid schizophrenia. All I'm saying is by describing someone using an illness as an adjective, right. kind of defi- it's like you're defining them with that illness, but it doesn't. And mental illness doesn't define who you are. It's still an illness. Okay. Well, yeah. Well, anyway, so no, well, well, listen, we're out of time. Thank you very much, Doctor. Uh, um, arguing about semantics there, but I, I do think it's a, that's the condition and that it's relevant to this case. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. This is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Richard, what are you doing right now? Oh, you know, making proper bread. Oh, for goodness' sake! Yeah, yeah, you go. You don't, you don't need um, three hours to make bread. If you've got time to watch television at night, you can be making the bread while you're watching it. You know, they sell it in shops these days. Oh, this is far superior stuff. You know, there's all there's, there's rising agents and chemicals in all bread, even the best of bread. This tastes far superior. Well, why is it so? Why is it so special, Richard? Well, actually, it's very therapeutic as well because making it and handling the dough, I find that very therapeutic. It's just part of one of my many hobbies. And, uh, <laughs> Could you describe <laughs> bread making as a hobby? Well, yeah, yeah, because I like doing it. It's, it's you know, it's like I go out bowling and doing things, other things, and you know, it, it's uh, I'm not indoors all day baking bread. You know, I, What's your special? Do you do you like putting your nuts in there? Do you no. put, you, what do you put in your bread to make it so special? Uh, no, basically, it's the quality of ingredients. So it's organic flour. I, I buy top quality flour. Yeah, organic flour. I know what's going into it. Just a teaspoonful of salt. You know, and, and the liquid. It's, it's just. You know, beautiful and the flavour. Richard, I'm going to I'm going to say this to you: you need to get a life. <laughs> well, I've got a life. You know what I was going to be doing today? What, what you <laughs> and do? All the holidays I've got booked. What What are you doing today, Richard? Well, today I've got the car to sort out. Um, no. I've got a bowls match to organise. I've got to go shopping. Mm. You know, there's all sorts of things got to be done. It's because I'm retired. I've got plenty of time ahead, haven't I? You're living the dream, Richard. Thank you very much indeed. Richard in Bedford is making his own bread as he listens to this show. 8.15. Let's get the travel news now. Here's Adam Glynn. Beds, 
Hearts and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. So far this morning on the rails, it's been a good start. We've got no incidents out there, meaning the departure boards are looking very healthy. Everything running pretty much completely on time right across the three counties. If you're going for the roads, northbound M1, we've got a lane closed on the exit slip at Junction 13 for Bedford and Milton Keynes South. It's on the exit slip, though, and it's a broken down vehicle. It's not causing too much of a delay. Things seem to be getting past it okay. On the southbound A1M, delays between Junction 9 at Letchworth and 6 at Welling Garden City, still taking around half an hour to get through. Delays building on the A10 southbound as well. It's now looking slow from the Great Cambridge Road, the A1170, through to the M25 at Enfield. Marlow Hill in High Wycombe's busy on the southbound side. The M25 busy clockwise, approaching Junction 23 and the start of the roadworks, which run from Junction 23 to 25. Then anti-clockwise, we've got queues from Junction 20 at Kings Langley, round to 16 at the M40, and still busy on the southbound A1 through Boreham Wood between the Holiday Inn and the A41 at Mill Hill. Adam Glynn, BBC. C3 Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Adam. Right, it's nearly 8.17. It's Thursday the 21st of March. These are your headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. A charity says changes are needed after a teenager was killed by a paranoid and violent schizophrenic in Bedford. People say they've been left cut off from the rest of Shefford because of sewage works. And in sport, Stevenage's captain takes the reins after boss Gary Smith left yesterday. The weather today for beds, hearts and bucks. A dry, bright and cold start. Feeling cold in those strong winds as well. Maximum temperature is 5 degrees. Coming up, the Chancellor George Osborne has delivered his fourth budget, aiming at helping to build an aspiration nation. Well, before 8.30, we'll get the reaction to the budget from Conservative MP for Bedford, Richard Fuller. BBC Three Counties Radio. There's two days of live sport this weekend on Three Counties Sports. On Saturday from two, we focus on League One and the conference. Effort from Lowe, what a goal! What a goal from Ryan Lowe! With live commentary on MK Dons away to Colchester and Luton versus Tamworth. Breaks the deadlock at last to Kenilworth Road. Pass Sam Ashton into the corner of the net. Plus updates on Burton against Wickham and Bedford Blues at home to Doncaster. Three Counties Sports, Saturday from two, BBC Three Counties Radio. <laughs> don't don't try and mask what you were just saying with a fancy hand movement, Jonathan Vernon Smith. Let's be honest, we were being bitchy. We- <laughs> I say we, you. You were being bitchy, and I was nodding just because I no, wanted to... gossipy. OK, there's a difference. Mm. You're quite homely. How, d- how dare you call me homely? We all know what homely means, and, and everybody who has, uh, who has said to you that you were very rude, what they're trying to say is yes. that homely means fat and frumpy. Does it really? You were saying that Elizabeth Rossini yes. sounds like a fat, frumpy, middle-aged woman mm. who goes to keep fit in lycra. That's what homely means. We all know it. I was descri- when I described the weather, Lady Elizabeth, as homely. I just meant nice. That's all I meant was nice. Right. Yes. You see, I I got the distinct impression when you said that, and I didn't know what Elizabeth Rossini looked like, but no. I imagined coming in and Ma Larkin stood there at the Arga, perfect, with uh, with dusting of flour all over her yeah. her body. Yeah. Mm. Sorry, I was just lost in a thought there of a. <clears throat> a chunky lady covered in flour. <laughs> it works for me. It works for me. I don't know. Well, I know why you're cackling because I know what's coming up on your show, and I know that you, you're you're a winner. I am. You're a winner. A winner. I'm a winner. You won in the budget I'm yesterday. Winner. So are most of my listeners as well. Wow, really? 
have you done if you go onto my twitter page i've tweeted this budget calculator yes the bbc's official budget calculator yeah and it doesn't take very long it takes about a minute you yeah. put in your basic details like how many glasses of pinot grigio you drink yeah. how much you drive your car yeah and uh, how much you earn oh. and it works it all out for you wonderful and it tells you whether you're going to be better off or worse off as a result and you 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 thumbs about, up quids in about 400 quid a year better off i'm going to be fantastic this is brilliant isn't beautiful. it beautiful well coming up on the big phone in this morning i want to hear from you and that's why using this budget calculator would be brilliant if you could spare the time i'm asking you does the budget feel like good news for you yesterday's budget is on the front of all of today's papers and it has a mixed reception the the Independent says that some of the measures announced were eye-catching, but overall it considers it to be a budget of missed targets and more gloom. The Guardian says it is a populist budget that aimed to please swing voters. The Sun is more positive. It says George Osborne played an almost impossible hand reasonably well and with some ingenuity. There's good news for people wanting to buy their first home, for small businesses and for people who want to save a penny on a pint of beer. A whole penny? Wow! That seems a bit ridiculous, doesn't it? it you've got to, for every sort of 320 pints you get a free pint i uh, it's just i mean that, patronizing well i just wonder whether it's just a complete waste of money yes i mean who's going to really benefit out of a penny no consumers won't benefit if i see a penny on the floor i would walk past it if i saw five pence on the floor i'd walk past it i've chucked pennies away in the bin before look at you no, and there, there are people that's starving in the world uh does the budget feel like good news for you We'll discuss that from nine on the big phone. And if you can go on and check out that uh, budget calculator, let me know. One person who will remain absolutely nameless has just tweeted me to say, and this was a private message he sent me. Are you going to say this on air? Yeah. Wow. I'm not going to say who it was, but he tweeted me to say that he's going to be £1,200 a year worse off. Wowzers. I mean, I, I can't quite understand why. How much would how much would one have to be earning to be one thousand two hundred pounds worse off a year? You must drink a lot of whiskey. That's that must be. You've either got to be an alcoholic yeah. or a massively high earn avenue to be twelve hundred pounds a year worse off. Ouch! Because this budget, we'll discuss it from nine. Does it feel like good news for you? Across beds, hearts, and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. I genuinely don't see a problem with... I've, I've caused a furore controversy this morning because I've used the word homely to describe someone. I, I, I thought it was... It turns out it's not the, ter, the term of endearment that I thought it was. It's actually... But it could be considered to be a little bit rude. A little bit unpleasant. I, I can only apologise. I, I, I thought it was a nice kind of thing to do and uh, you, you know that homely oh you're homely people would take it as a compliment but uh, it turns out that that no i've offended everybody and i apologize the chancellor george osborne has delivered his fourth budget aimed at helping build an aspiration nation this is a budget for those who aspire to own their own home who aspire to get their first job or start their own business a budget for those who want to save for their retirement and provide for their children it is a budget for our aspiration nation. Well, it includes measures to help businesses take on workers, boost the housing market and help with the cost of beer and petrol. He has to uh, has had to admit, though, that the economic recovery is taking longer than predicted. Well, Conservative MP for Bedford, Richard Fuller, joins me now. Morning, Richard. Morning, how are you? Yeah, good, thank you. Shadow Chancellor Ed Balls says it's more of the same budget. What do you make of that? 
Well, I don't think many people will listen to the shadow chancellor. Let's remember that the Labour Party were the people who got us into this mess over 15 years. We took the date, debt of the country from two times the size of our national income to five times. That's a terrible burden to pass on to our children yeah. and grandchildren. In difficult times, I think the Chancellor, Mr Osborne, has delivered a, a pretty positive budget for the people of Bethlehem Kempston. What was so positive? Well, I think a couple of things that I would point out uh, that are particular to Bedford. Over the preceding 10 years, most of the private sector job growth in Bedford was in the construction industry, plumbers, bricklayers, builders. And there's a lot of measures in this budget that are designed to encourage new house building. I think that'll be a positive. And of course, who can forget scrapping the Labour Party's beer duty escalator? The Labour Party loved putting taxes up above inflation. They did it on fuel. They did it on beer. This Chancellor has scrapped the fuel duty escalator and he scrapped the beer duty Well, the local Bedford brewery, Charles Wells, has publicly thanked you for your involvement in getting the beer duty reduced. How were you involved, Richard? Uh, You know, there are lots of people involved in trying to achieve this because it's a change that I think a lot of people, I think they felt it was an unfair way of raising taxes. What gives the government the right to automatically increase the price of beer above the rate of inflation? What gives the right to a government to automatically increase the price on fuel. So I don't think anyone's claiming credit. What people are saying is the last government got it wrong, thinking the government should take more and more people's Richard, money. Richard, that was, that was years ago. What, what, what was your involvement with this? Well, I think with the beer duty, that what we tried to do in part was pr- present the case a number of members of Parliament, admitted all political parties, to say to the, to the Chancellor of the Treasury team, look how unfair it is at tough times that people are missing out on uh, earnings that they could have because they've got to pay these automatic tax increases. So, you know, I was happy to play my part, but I'm not going to claim credit uh, for it, but I was just very happy to do it for, for, uh, for all people who enjoy a good pint of beer. There is an argument that uh, other concessions would have been more helpful, like a reduction in f- fuel duty, for example. Well, f- well, fuel duty, remember, is 13 pence a, a litre, less than it would have been under the last government's plan. So every time people go to the petrol station... Richard, Richard, stop talking... Richard, stop talking about what happened a couple of years ago. Let's talk about this, this budget yesterday. What, well, why let, was let, there no reduction you, in let fuel? Me tell you, let me tell you why I, I think that's the wrong approach, right? So, you know, my background's in business, and one of the things you right. have to realise is when you bi- build up a massive mountain of debt... People would you have... Can't, you r- can't turn up on a Tuesday or after your payday and say, you know what, honey, let's pay off the mortgage this month. It takes a long... Time. Richard, Richard, one of the things that annoys me about uh, about MPs is people banging on about what happened years ago. Let's talk about what happened yesterday. A reduction in fuel duty would have been much more helpful than a, pe- a, a penny off pint of beer, wouldn't it? Um, well, you're comparing two things that are different. A pe- you know, scrapping a pound off uh, a penny off of beer is a less expensive item than scrapping a penny off fuel duty. Right, but it would have been so, more useful, wouldn't it? That's that's the. W- well, you would then have to find, remember that what the, what the Chancellor has to do is he has to balance the tax cuts he gives with public expenditure reductions. The cost of taking a penny off fuel would have been more substantial. He scrapped the, 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 the planned increase. Taking a penny off would have been more expensive. What other things would you like to cut in public expenditure to pay for that? But it would get people buying perhaps more fuel if it was cheaper. Whereas, whereas a penny of a pint of beer, is a, if anything, it feels a little bit patronising, really, doesn't it? Well, I think you have to. If you want to say that, you should walk into your local pub and ask them whether they think it's patronising. Well, we've, we've, not not. Had, we've not had one landlord or one person this morning call in and say, oh, yeah, that, that penny of that pint of beer is going to get me in the boozer tonight. Well, let me tell you this. About 12 months ago, I met with the landlords of pubs in Bedford. They have a regular meeting, and top of their list, top of their list, was scrapped the beer duty escalator. 
and I listen to them, and I'm very pleased that 13 or 14 months later, the Chancellor listened to them as well. Okay. Richard, thank you very much for that. All right. Here we go. Conservative MP for Bedford, Richard Filler. Uh, I just feel that a penny off a pint of beer... Listen, prove me wrong. Prove me wrong between now and nine o'clock. Is that penny off a pint of beer going to get you uh, um, drinking more or or, or get you to walk into your pub at all? 08459 455 555. Marguerite from Sharnbrook. Hello. Now, listen, you're not going to tell me off for calling people homely, are you? No, not at all. I thought homely was quite nice. What's wrong with being homely? Homely doesn't mean I'm certainly not fat and I'm certainly not frumpy because my husband thinks I'm gorgeous and I'm, you know, he's 10 years younger than me. Mm. So I'm certainly not, not frumpy. Um, I think homely is being kind, nurturing, caring, just being good at running the home and doing everything nicely. And that's not it? insulting, is it? Not at all. That's a good thing to do because there's a lot of people that don't look after their homes or their kids or whatnot. So what's wrong with being homely and having a nice nurturing nature and doing well at looking after everything? I do... I have, um, like the young girl that rang up earlier that was 20-odd. Mm. I'm a lot older, but I have the same situation. I do everything in the home. I put the bins out, I do the decorating, the shopping, the cleaning, all the childcare, I do everything. And we have that arrangement, my husband and I, because that works for us. We're very happy. We're a good team um, for that. Um, he does his business, which is Touchwood, doing very well. He's working very hard. He does go away for weeks at a time, so I need to be home. So I, a job is not feasible because he's going to give me time off for, you know, out-of-school holidays. Um so I think, so that's become my role. Mm. I'm the homemaker, I'm the nurturer, I'm the homely one, you know. Marguerite, thank you very much indeed. You see, it's not an insult. Well, it's said as a term of endearment. The homely people fight back. Here's the travel with Adam Glynn. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. We've still got that lane closed on the northbound M1 exit slip road at Junction 13 for Bedford and Milton Keynes South. Something broke down along there earlier this morning, but traffic's getting past it all right. The A1M southbound slow from Letchworth to Welland, junction 9 to 6, taking about 35 minutes. We've had some reports of debris on the road as well. The A10 southbound looking slow from the Great Cambridge Road through to the M25 at Junction 25, taking maybe 15 minutes to get through the traffic there. Then if you're heading further down the A10 in Enfield, it's looking slow between Bullsmore Lane and Southbury Road. A1 continues to crawl through Boreham Wood between the Holiday Inn and the A41 junctions, Mill Hill of course. And at the M25, anti-clockwise usual queue from Junction 20 at Kings Langley right the way around to 16 at the M40. Trains meanwhile, a much better picture, things running to time right across the three counties. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thank you very much. Let's get the news and sport now with Serena Farrow. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. A charity says changes are needed after a teenager was killed by a paranoid and violent schizophrenic in Bedford. People are angry they've been left cut off from the rest of Shefford in Bedfordshire because of sewage works. Meanwhile, the Chancellor is defending his plans for the economy, rejecting Labour's claims that yesterday's budget shows his approach just isn't working. Stay listening for more on this as the JVS show will be asking, does the budget feel like good news for you? That's from nine o'clock. And a new non-emergency 111 call service is going to be launched in Milton Keynes today. That's despite some criticism of it in other parts of the country. So that's the news. Now let's look at all the morning sport. Beds, hearts and bucks sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Stevenage captain Mark Roberts will take charge for this weekend's game at Tranmere. It follows yesterday's sacking of boss Gary Smith. Our Stevenage commentator Steve Watkins says former manager Graham Wesley's the obvious replacement. I can't see too much past it, to be honest. Um, you know, give me a list of available managers and tell me somebody that would, would suit the, um, the, the frame for Stevenage. In under-21 action, an England host Romania in a friendly at Wickham tonight. It's a 7 o'clock kick-off at Adams Park for the first time in 16 years. Watford's on low midfielder Nathaniel Chalabar is in the England squad, where Stuart Pearce is the under-21's coach. I think anyone that turns up for the game will, will, will be nicely surprised if they've not been to 21 football before. You know, we're playing a decent brand of football. I think last time out, last month, when we beat Sweden, was as good a first-half performance as I've been party to. Staying with England news and this time in cricket, batsman Johnny Burstow will replace Kevin Peterson against New Zealand in the third and deciding test, which gets underway in Auckland tonight. Bartfordshire, Bockfordshire, Billy Joe Saunders takes on Matthew Hall in boxing this evening. The Hatfield man's making the first defence of his British title and the fourth defence of his Commonwealth title. And finally, Laura Robson is through to the second round of the Miami Masters after she beat Italy's Kamala Georgie in three sets, 6-2, 4 6 6 3 BBC Three News and Sport. More from me at nine. Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning, 8.33, here until nine o'clock, then JVS comes in and takes over. Lots coming up, though, between now and nine, including when you need health advice, who do you call? Your doctor? 999? Well, the new number that's being launched in Milton Keynes today is 111. It's already up and running uh, in part of Hertfordshire. We'll have a look at whether it's a good idea, or is it just another number to confuse things? And a former tricycle racer hmm, from Buckinghamshire turns 100 years old today. Richard Howard from Winslow still gets on his bike, and Justin Dealey is on his way to meet him. Now, listen, when I called uh, nearly two hours ago, Elizabeth Rosini, our weather lady, homely, it was a passing comment. I wanted to ask her about bread. I didn't realise I was insulting many of the good women of beds, hearts and bucks. Lynn from Hemel, have I insulted you? Yes, Ian, if, um, well, not seriously, but if you called me homely, my reaction would be to slap you. Ouch. Of course, other forms of violence are available, yes. as you say on the BBC. Yes, we do, we do. We have a course on saying I think, that. I think it's like what Jonathan said. It would make me think that you thought I was frumpy, yes. chubby. Mm. It's like mumsy. Yeah. It sort of makes it sound like you're so unsexy. Uh, and are you sexy, Lynn? Well, I've had my moments. <laughs> I'm cracking on a bit now, but I've had my moment. When, when was the last time you had a moment? <laughs> oh, it was many years ago. <laughs> 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 Doesn't so, mean just because I'm not having moments that I'm frumpy, <laughs> mumsy, or... <laughs> I genu- When I said homely, I genuinely didn't associate it with, with, with frumpiness. But apparently I I've got that wrong. Yeah, well, I think Jonathan was right. He expected your weather lady to be sort of like... Some lumpy thing covered in flour. Oh, she's not. The, I understand the covered in flour bit kind of gave you a bit of a moment, but it, <laughs> it does. It, for some reason, it did trigger. Lim, listen. I believe we're flirting on the radio. We have to end this here. Lim from Hemel. Thank you. Well, maybe I've got the whole um, homely thing wrong. I didn't mean it to be an insult. I didn't associate it with frumpiness, but it would appear 
that that's what it is. I do apologise. Now, a new non-emergency 111 call service is due to be launched in Milton Keynes today, despite some criticism of it in other parts of the country. The scheme allows call handlers Harmony to reduce the workload of the 999 service, but it has experienced some teething problems. The one-on-one system is already in use in the rest of Buckinghamshire and covers everything from emergency dental care to late opening chemists. Pilot scheme has been taking place in Luton, but it's yet to be rolled out to the rest of Bedfordshire. It's been operational since September in Hertfordshire. Well, Dr. Vishen Ramkisson is a GP at King George Surgery in Stevenage and is the Hertfordshire one-on-one clinical lead. Good morning, Doctor. Uh, good morning, Ian. How have you found the one-one-one system? Um, we found it to be a very good system. It's been very positive in Hertfordshire. Um, it's had very positive results as well, and um, it's basically there to guide people to the right right place for their care first. How many calls has the system dealt with in Hertfordshire? Um, well, like you rightly said, we started in September, and since then we've taken just over 100,000 calls in the last five and a half months. Wow, that, uh, that is a lot. And, and uh, Is the system able to cope with this number of calls? Yes, effectively so. We've had, um, you know, we constantly monitor every aspect of the service, you know, it's audited, and so far Hearts 111 has exceeded um, all the national standards. Now, it's replacing the NHS um, emergency helpline, or whatever it was called. Uh, how does this compare with the service you receive? Well, it's, a, it's, it's, it's an enhancement in my view. Um, NHS 111 is a 24-7 um, service. It's available 365 days a week. It's got key differences from NHS Direct, like it's a one-call service, so you will call up and have your problem dealt with without any callbacks. Um, it also has the ability to um, dispatch an ambulance where necessary without any delay. So it would be the same as if you had dialed 999. So we won't ever ask you to put the phone down and then ring an ambulance. We'll send one to you if you need one. One of the uh, the, the criticisms has been that with the NHS Direct, you, you would speak to a nurse. But mm-hmm. with, with this, you're just dealing with, well, people in a call centre. I think that's that's probably a slight misconception. Um, we have trained call advisors who undergo quite rigorous um, training prior to being able to um, um, take or field one-on-one calls. Um, they're also audited regularly and have to undergo updates. Um, also, as part of the license um, to deliver the service, there are clinicians, which are n- usually nurses and paramedics, available um, all the time uh, to support these call advisors. So, um, in, in actual fact, there, there are clinicians available and they are there all the time as well. How much pressure can this take off the NHS if it works effectively? Well, um, effectively, it's there to navigate people to the right place fast. So instead of people going to the wrong place and being redirected and then, and then eventually ending up um, where they need to be, but having had a, a delay in getting there, um, it's about sending them to the right place first. And if that means to their GP or to a chemist or to the hospital, then they will be directed there first. The, the, the call centre is based in Ipswich, I think. Does that, do you see that causing any problems, that there's a, a lack of local knowledge? Um, no, I, actually in Hertfordshire it's slightly different. Our, our call centre is based in well, Wellingarden City. Oh, OK. Um, and we're using a different provider. We're using Heart Urgent Care, who are um, the, the same provider who provide out-of-hour services in Hertfordshire. Why, why are you using a different service to, to a lot of the other 111 numbers? I think yeah, each area uh, went through their own procurement 
procurement and chose a provider based on uh, their individual requirements. One-on-one, though a national service, is very much a locally governed service. It's locally developed, so it's up to the local clinicians to decide which provider suits their needs best. Okay, Doctor, thank you very much indeed. Dr. Vishen Ramkison, uh, GP at King George Surgery in Stevenage. If you've used this new 111 number, how effective has it been? Has it, has it been helpful? Have you had a good experience with it? 08459 455 555 is the phone number. Should we have a quick look at the front pages? We've not done it yet. I, I, I'll tell you now, it's all budget. It's all budget, and they've all come up with their own. Oh, I wonder what Matt's done. Where's, uh, oh, should we go straight to Matt on the front of the Telegraph, my favourite cartoonist? Matt has got a picture of uh, a lady uh, walking past uh, a sign that says Treasury, and there are two gentlemen in suits leaning out of the window, wolf whistling, saying, Oi, darling, fancy a mortgage. Matt really does say what literally none of us are thinking. Uh, the front page of the Telegraph, Osborne pins hope on housing boom. Um, taxpayers will underwrite the mortgages of hundreds of thousands of home buyers and take stakes in newly built houses in a 15.5 billion attempt uh, to stimulate the struggling economy. Um, it's it's all it, uh, it's all budget. There's nothing else, really. The Independent. Uh, the Drown Your Sorrows budget. But it's a bumper bonuses for Barclays Fat Cats. Oh, yeah, Barclays handed nine top bosses £40 million in shares yesterday. Hello. Ka-ching. I'll have some of that. Um, betting the house mortgage giveaway and tax cuts at heart of the budget as Osborne goes for growth. The Times. It's all... You know, the Guardian. It's the budget. Drown Your Sorrows. With a penny off a pint. They've all done... They've all gone for rather sort of comical... Um, pictures as well there's a picture of a, a slug in a pint of beer on the guardian the mail has got a picture of george osborne done up as um margaret thatcher it's confusing because it's um sexy but unpleasant at the same time it's really is confusing me now listen bread making your own bread oh everyone's making their own bread oh let's make our own bread all thanks to doc hollywood paul hollywood who has got this tv series and he's making bread on it or something i don't watch these cookery programs of very little interest for me everyone's doing it including bbc three counties political correspondent paul scoynes scoynes you've you've been making your own bread paul scoynes paul scoynes he's he's dropped off he's gone off to eat his own bread. He's gone off to eat his own bread, for goodness sakes. If you want to see the, the loaf he's made, I thoroughly recommend you go to facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR because his loaf is up there. And it looks... It does look wonderful. He has sent me a picture of it sliced. It looks equally as delicious sliced. With it, we were all thinking, yeah, with that with a poached egg, a bit of hollandaise sauce, be lovely. Paul, are you going to make us sandwiches with your bread? Yeah, I could do. Well, well, are you? Well, I've bought the bread, if that's what you're asking. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm intending to make sandwiches for you. But, well, yeah, well, I didn't realise I was going to be the focus of your ira, Irene. You, Ira. You've created... There, there is a furore around this, uh, this morning. <laughs> Why? What's wrong with bread? Go and buy <laughs> some bread, Paul. You can buy bread in Sainsbury's, in Tesco's, in Waitrose, in all of the supermarkets. You can buy it in Baker's. It's very cheap to buy. It's not like bread is £25 a loaf and it's, it's a luxury. You can well, buy some it. some bread is. Some bread's very expensive. Yeah, well, don't buy bread from a farmer's market, is my advice. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I'm, I'm, with your, I'm with your caller, Richard, who said that there's something holistic about it, about, about making the loaf yourself, you know. And also, all the chemicals... 
chemicals and stuff that goes in it. Oh. I know what's in that bread. Yeast, salt, flour and water. That's it. Nothing else. Okay. Well, there's, t- no, there's no chorley wood bread most making process with my loaf, Ian. Absolutely not. So what's, tell me, tell me what, what you get. From, what's so zen about making a loaf of bread? Well, it's, it's quite nice. It's quite nice to feel that you can do it, you know. Well, yeah, uh, well I, I know I can make bread. Next. Next well, good thing about it. Well, it's, it, it is limited to, 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 to uh, you know, I'm not going to say it's, it's going to change your life, but it is, I, I enjoy it. You know, I, I like, I like the, the process of watching it rise. I like all of that sort of feeling that it's living. I don't want to get too it's kind of... Living. Uh, it's it living. It's living. <laughs> it is living. It is living. It's, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not being weird. That's just what it is. It's it, biological. It's, you know, that's what happens. It's a it's living a, bread. Do you talk to it as well as it rises, Paul? Do you practice I, your political interviews on it? Might do. Maybe. Are you coming no. in th- are you coming in this morning? I am, yeah. I'm on I'm on route. Okay, but I want a cheese sandwich. Or, or I, well, want that, a, I mean, you know, come on, I can do Marmite, that's it. All right, I'll, I'll have a slice of Marmite. I want a, po- a cup of posh coffee, and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about this later on. <laughs> OK. And can, just, just, we've had a... I, I wasn't going to mention this, but I will mention this very quickly. An email has gone round. I think you're excluded from it. Some of the people are concerned. <laughs> is, is there any chance that when you're in the office today, you could keep your trousers on? Is that, I don't know, is that a possibility? It has upset some of the younger women here. It is unlikely, to be honest. Paul, thank you for your honesty. It's appreciated. Political reporter Paul Scoynes there, showing off his uh, his baguette. Right, coming up to 8.45, let's get the travel news now. Here's Adam Glynn. Hearts and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Things aren't moving too badly, really. It's still got that lane closed on the northbound M1 exit slip road, though, at Junction 13. So if you're leaving to head for Bedford or Milton Keynes south off that northbound M1, you're going to find a broken-down vehicle. It is causing a few delays now looking quite slow back onto the main carriageway. The A1 heading southbound only gets really busy as you get down toward Boreham Wood with queues between Stirling Corner and the A41 at Mill Hill. The A1M, meanwhile, southbound from Junction 9 at Letchworth through to 6 at Wellin, taking around 35 minutes to get through the traffic, and we have had a couple of reports of debris on the road as well, not really helping things. M25 clockwise is slow as you approach the roadworks stretch, so it's pretty heavy at Junction 23. Roadworks continue from Junction 23 to 25 in both directions. Anti-clockwise, that's slow from Junction 20 at Kings Langley to 16 at the M40. Now the A41 slowing a little bit as well. In Hemel Hempstead, it's looking busy between the A414 and the M25. Meanwhile, on the trains, no major problems or delays. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much. Morning, it's 8.46. It's Thursday, the 21st of March. I'm Ian Lee, and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. A charity says better resourcing of community support is needed after a teenager was killed by a violent schizophrenic in Bedford. A new non-emergency call service will be launched in Milton Keynes today. It's to help reduce the workload of the 999 service. And in sport, Stevenage's captain takes the reins after boss Gary Smith left yesterday. Right, we'll uh, be talking. We're not quite sure what's happening in the last 15 minutes of the show. It's very exciting. Anything could happen. We'll find out what after the weather with Elizabeth. Beds, hearts and bugs weather. BBC Three Counties Radio.
Good morning to you. Well, it was quite a nice, bright, sunny start to the day, but unfortunately we're starting to see things cloud over somewhat in Buckinghamshire. Still a little bit of brightness out there. The best of it today, though, I think will be across Hertfordshire and, and Bedfordshire, really. Lots of sunshine here at the moment. But gradually, I think, clouding over just about everywhere into the afternoon. A rather grey, dreary end of the day and a strengthening southeasterly breeze too. Temperatures only to between 4 and 6 degrees Celsius in Luton, Milton Keynes and Ellsbury as well that's just 43 in Fahrenheit and with the wind chill it's not going to feel that nice by the end of the day but at least it will be dry until this evening and then we've got a system spreading in from the west that's going to give us some outbreaks of light rain and drizzle through the evening rush hour and into the overnight period as well we may even see it turn a bit sleety at times over the Chilterns we'll start the day off tomorrow on one or two degrees Celsius it's not over yet either there's plenty more patchy rain this will turn heavier into the afternoon we might even see a bit more sleet a bit of wet snow over the high ground in particular and a very strong easterly wind so all in all it's not going to be a great day of weather at all tomorrow temperatures between two and three degrees now we might just see a little bit more in the way of snow even to lower levels on friday night into saturday and watch out for saturday again not a nice day weather outbreaks of rain sleet and perhaps a bit of snow through the course of the day and a bitter easterly wind as well it looks like it'll stay cold for the rest of march i'm sorry it's not good news, is it? It's, Never not, mind. it's not brilliant, Elizabeth. Have a marvellous no. day anyway. <laughs> Thank you very much, Elizabeth. Weekends on BBC Three Counties Radio. Every Saturday from 12, Nick Coffer's Weekend Kitchen. Packed with great recipes and food inspiration. Nick Coffer's Weekend Kitchen. Making simple, delicious and affordable food accessible to novices and experienced cooks alike. Every Saturday from 12. I can guarantee that you'll be able to make all the recipes we feature. Nick Coffer's Weekend Kitchen. Every Saturday from 12. On BBC Three Counties. I finished the rest of the front pages, although you know what's going on. The Daily Express. Cheers. Budget boost for millions. Cheaper beer and fuel. Income tax cut and interest free home loans. Um, George Osborne yesterday raised hopes that better times are on the way at last with a budget to help families, businesses and home buyers. The Daily Mail have got that very bizarre picture of uh, George Osborne, um, but his face superimposed onto Margaret Thatcher's body. It's really confusing me and making me a little bit uncomfortable. Uh, Osborne, Osborne dons Thatcher's mantle as he defies critics to continue cutting state and boost aspiration. The laddie's not for turning. And um, the, uh, the Sun, budget coverage as approved by the Ministry of Truth. That's what he says then. It's uh, interesting. OK, uh, we're talking about bread this morning. It's, it's all become very popular to make bread. I don't understand it. I had a, I've got a bread maker. We haven't used it for two years, um, and even that is would be considered cheating these days. You need to do it all yourself, knead it and make it rise. And you heard Paul Scoynes, our political reporter. It's a living thing, to uh, to quote um, ELO. Uh, well, Vanetta is in Milton Keynes. Good morning, Vanetta. Good morning. Are you, are you, do you make bread? I do, actually. I gave up my job in the city to make bread a year ago, and I've been uh, making bread full time for the last 12 months. Hang on, what do you mean? So, so you gave up your... your <laughs> explain what happened there. Yeah, I was working um, for the banks in recruitment and was pretty um, tired of it. Always wanted to get into the food industry and loved making bread. Um, so I decided to make it my full-time job, basically. 
did you have a little bit of a breakdown? Is that what it was? Because it, <laughs> it sounds think, like a midlife crisis. I, th- I think that's exactly what happened. And I think um, most bakers go through something very similar if they've switched to baking later in life. So you've, It's you've, a common theme. <laughs> so you've, 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 were, you, were you a cook before you, you made this career leap? Um, only at a personal level, just for, you know, for myself and my own meals, very keen cook. Um, but I only actually learned to bake bread about two or three years ago. So it's quite a recent skill, but I just knew straight away that I wanted to make it my job. Why? Why was there this, this <laughs> spiritual connection with loaves? I, do, I think I agree um, with something somebody on your show said earlier about, you know, it's a living thing in a sense. It, you know, has, there's an inevitability about it, combining four simple ingredients. Mm. Um, and, you know, and away it goes. It's, it's a very tangible thing. Um, and for somebody like myself with a, a very high need for approval from others, um, you know, giving people a loaf of bread that they can enjoy with their friends and family is one of the most um, wonderful things you can do. It's such a lovely gift. And what, make, uh, what makes your bread so special? Um, I think the time and attention that goes into it, you know, the minimum that I'll make a loaf will be about four hours, but a lot of my loaves go overnight and have a cold ferment, so the taste is fantastic. And I use Mm. local organic stone ground flour from a mill in Redbornbury, um, which is, you know, absolutely fantastic. See, now, this is not fair. Now I'm getting very hungry. I I fancy... Because, listen, when I I say I buy bread in the supermarket, very rarely will I buy, you know, a packet of of sliced bread, you know, the the ones you get for for 80 pence. Very... If if, if I'm in a bit of a rush, I will. I normally buy a nice loaf, uh, and this has just made me want a nice crusty slice of toast now with a bit of cream cheese on it. Well, I should tell you, my my special that I'm doing today and tomorrow is a wild garlic pesto baguette that I am... foraged the wild garlic a couple of days ago and made one and a half kilos of pesto and that's going out as my special today and tomorrow can i speak freely vanetta of course you're a bit weird but i think i'm falling in love with you <laughs> <laughs> no you are <laughs> you but see that's what i mean about the 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 need for approval if you bake bread yeah. you you don't you don't struggle for friends no well i bet i bet everyone say oh you couldn't knock us up and you've, you've t- actually turned this into a business you're paying your way with this yeah. now are you in all seriousness, yeah, I'm part of a, a group called the Bread Angels through a company called Virtuous Bread. Yeah. And we, we all bake bread pretty much from home or in very small units. Wow. And we mix baking bread commercially, either wholesale or for our own customers, along with teaching bread courses as well. So um, so I run, I have been running bread courses from my house, just basic breads and also sourdough courses. Is there so a, fa- is, got- have you got a web, we're running out of time, but I could talk to you all morning. Is there a website if people want to come and have a look at your bread and, and, and get involved with this? Just a Facebook page, but if you search for The Tiny Bakery on Facebook, you find me easily. Listen, it's very nice to talk to you. I, I think you're absolutely bonkers, but it, it sounds wonderful, <laughs> and it sounds like you're very happy doing what you're doing, so well done there. Oh, a nice bit of crusty toast, please. Yes, please, and some good coffee. Oh, dearie me, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to have a greasy spoon this morning, no. I want something nicer. Now, people living in uh, a part of Shefford in Bedfordshire say they've been left cut off from the rest of the town as a result of a major road closure for sewage works. Anglian Waters say they looked at installing traffic lights on the B658 Stamford Road, but in the end, a full closure was the only option. Well, our reporter Tony Fisher has been speaking to the residents. Basically, if you want to go anywhere, you have to go three or four miles out your way and just get back into the town centre. We were never forewarned about the road being completely closed. Mm. We're told there'd be some disruptions, but 
they never told us we'd have to go miles out of our way. We're not being compensated for this in any way. So effectively, you're pretty much cut off from, from, from the village. Yes, right. It's easy for us to go to Biggleswey to shop about seven miles up the road rather than go five miles in a circle. And for elderly people who may want to go to the doctors or go to the local shops, you know, normally take their car, can't. Well, they could take their car, but it's going to take them twice as long. And they have to, like I said, they have to get three or four miles out of the way to get back into the town. Mm. Mm. And there's been several bad accidents on the, the country roads because of this. Mm. Because uh, I think lorries and vans have been coming down because right, it says yeah. business open as usual, and they're going to have they're having to do U turns. Right, and when they first opened it, there was no signs on the road at all, and we were getting articulated lorries trying to turn around because they couldn't get through. It's going down to the doctor's surgery. Um, I say my son has to go and come from Biggleswade, go all round Island Way to get into Shepherd to go up to the surgery. The same last week, I had to go to the optician, and it was the same procedure. I've got to do it again this Friday, and it'll be the same thing. So it's quite a big round trip, about a 10-mile yeah. round trip? Must be, must be, must be. So how much of an inconvenience are these roadworks? Quite a bit, quite a bit. So just tell us about the problem with the road closure down the bottom. How how's it affected you? Uh, basically, I've got to go right out my way to get to work now, and... Uh, if I hit traffic, it makes me a lot later for work, mm. uh, which obviously isn't good. Mm. So. so you're in Shefford. Where have you, where have you got to get to? I've work? got to get to Stevenage, so I have to go through Henlow, up through all that way. Would you, I mean, some of the neighbours saying they'd like a bit of compensation, money off the water bill, would you like that? Uh, that would be good, actually, yeah. <laughs> I think any money, any money off would be good, because um, obviously it's costing extra in petrol, petrol as well to get around. But, um, yeah, that would be nice. <laughs> Just tell us about it, because apparently... You weren't given much warning, and you're effectively cut off from the village. Yes, we are. Yes, yeah, so if you... Normally it will take me two minutes to pop into Shefford, but now it takes me a good 15 or 20. It's because you've got to go round the house. You've got, got to around. go all the round, and then you've got to go all that way back again. Also, I wonder, what happens if you need an ambulance? Because um, my husband's quite ill. And sometimes I have to have an ambulance, so that would take an extra 15 minutes or so. What would you want to say to Anglian Water? Compensate somehow. It's the only way to do it, really. Some money off the water bill or something? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do you think think that'll happen? No. (laughs) (laughs) Got more chance than a Pope. (laughs) Well, Anglian Water say the work is due to finish on April the 10th, and they say they're going to look whether there's anything they can do to compensate residents. That was an exclusive on this show earlier on in the morning. You can see pictures of the area on facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR and a few of you have been up there and uh, left your comments. Rebecca Herbert says, this closure means a longer journey to school as we travel from Biggleswade to Amptill. It must be a nightmare for those that live there. Jason Hackett says, everyone knows about it. I've driven around there. Plenty of signs. It may have caused trouble on the first day, but now everyone knows about it. Then it should not be a problem as you can adjust your journey. Nicholas says, the concern I have is if there's an emergency, how the emergency service is going to get through. And Steve says, it takes seven to eight days to build one mile of motorway. This stretch of roadworks is about 500 yards and the total time will have been seven weeks to complete. It takes a week week to build a mile of motorway? I, 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 Steve, listen, I don't know, maybe, maybe you have more information than I do on this. I would question your statistics there, Stephen. I'm sure it takes longer than a week. 
to build a mile of motorway? No. Here's the travel news now with Adam Glynn. Hearts and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. And a few delays on the M1 northbound. There's still a lane closed on the exit slip at Junction 13, Bedford and Milton Keynes South. Broken down vehicle along there, and it's all starting to look pretty slow as a result. In Dunstable, heavy traffic on the A5 approaching the A505 in both directions. Southbound, the A1M still looking slow from Letchworth through to Wellin from Junction 9 to 6. They had reports of debris on the road, so that could be what's causing things to slow. The A41 in Hemel Hempstead particularly busy eastbound from the A414 to the M25 at Junction 20. In High Wycombe, it's crawling on the A414 southbound. The A10's looking slow from the Great Cambridge Road through to the M25 at Junction 25, then through Enfield busy as well between Bullsmore Lane and Southbury Road, and queues still in Boreham Wood on the A1 between Barnet Lane at Stirling Corner and the A41 at Mill Hill. Trains across the three counties looking good. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Adam. Sounded quite raucous in the uh, travel room there. What was going on? Thanks to everyone who took part. Back tomorrow at six. JVS is up next. Ta ta. Getting beds, hearts, and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian. Good morning. Welcome to the JVS show. I'm Jonathan Vernon Smith. It's Thursday, and on this morning's big phone-in, I'm asking, does the budget feel like good news for you? Yesterday, 